My name is Matt Brown. Dime package on second and ten. Jackson loses the ball. Pop free. The ball still rolling around. The Giants jump on it. Thibodeau with the strip. Big blue with a big play. And let's start the show. Here comes Allen. Looking, looking long. Throws to the end zone. And the ball is caught. Of all people, it's Dawson Knox. Oh, what a time for Dawson Knox. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, October 19th, 2022. We have quite the NFL Productive Conversation for each and every one of you. But before we experience a full and action-packed NFL Productive Conversation, I just remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Prod Combo Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So it is a very meaty, in-depth, and interesting podcast to talk all things NFL so I'm going to keep it short and sweet. We're going to talk about the rise of New York football, the Buffalo Bills winning a thriller and getting their revenge off the Chiefs, the NFL owners meeting, Mitch Trubisky getting a win over Tom Brady, and many more interesting stories and headlines after that. Once we complete our productive conversation and in-depth panel discussion on week six in the NFL, we're going to introduce to you a brand new segment. It's called Russ's Ramblings, where Ramblin' Russ Miller becomes the official handicapper of the Productive Conversations podcast, where he will give you NFL picks on a weekly basis from here on out. And he will also give you college football picks. Each pick will feature a spread. Whether you are going to lay the points or not, usually two underdogs and two favorites. And then you can decide what to do with the picks from there. Whether you make a parlay on DraftKings or FanDuel, whether you make a parlay with your local bookie, whether you make, you know, fantasy picks out of it, I don't know. Regardless, to add to the NFL show, from here on out, we're going to do a weekly segment, Russ's Ramblings, at least throughout the rest of this NFL season. And let's see how far it goes. Me and Russ were in touch he did this for me personally over a few weeks not that he gave me the personal picks but we gave it a trial run and he was pretty accurate Uh, there were some weeks where he went undefeated so i think you'll be really interested in these picks and who knows maybe it can lead to legitimate fortune for you so with that we have a full in-depth panel discussion on all things NFL, where Desmond Price returns, Alex Ranelio comes back, and then we have two new friends from previous podcasts rejoining the NFL show. What I mean by that is Kevin Schaefer, who did NFL shows with us last year, he's coming back for today's episode, and Bars the God, who usually does NBA coverage with us, he's making his return, and this time is going to talk all things NFL. So it's going to be a good discussion, and it's going to be a special one. So let's get to it right away. Bars, Alex, 
Kevin and Desmond. It's your guys' turn once again. Stay tuned after the conversation to hear Ramblin' Russ's picks after that. Russ's rumblings, to be more specific. And let's move on from there. So here we go. NFL coverage. Let's talk about week six. Let's get to it. This is a very productive conversation. What a week. Week six of the NFL was everything and more. As we approach a trade deadline, as we approach a crucial month of October where we know who's a good team, who's a bad team, who's mids, who needs help, and all of that. Let's review it with the productive NFL crew. We have Alex Ranelio here. What's up, Alex? What's up, man? Happy to be back. Hope you had a great weekend of football. You definitely, you know it, and I definitely will say that. Desmond Price is back from last week off of some incredible upset predictions. Sup, Desmond? Two for two last week. Um, We're going to find out about this week, though. All right. And now for the first time in a long time, it's great to have him back, Kevin Schaefer. What's going on, Kevin? Great to see you again. Happy to be back this year. First appearance this year for the football pod, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. Oh, we're happy to have you. Lots to celebrate, lots to critique, and lots to uh, bust balls and make fun of. So I'm just going to go with some bias to start it off with one of two New York teams to rock and roll. The New York Giants are 5-1 off of their fifth win. Daniel Jones has his fourth, yes, fourth. Fourth quarter come back, fourth come from behind, win the season. Giants were down 20 to 10 at one point, and they take over and win 24 to 20 over the Baltimore Ravens, who have a third crucial defeat. Saquon goes in. The defense shuts down Lamar Jackson, especially in the second half, forcing two turnovers against that offense. Kayvon Thibodeau is looking legit as a first-round pick. And uh, even though major injuries have influenced what the Ravens have been going with, and um, it's been a hard time finishing games with Baltimore, the Giants, no matter if you think they're a fluky five and win team or a five and one team, or you think they are a legitimate one, all in all, they are five and one under the stellar coaching under Brian Dayball. Wink Martindale seems to be unlocking something. And with a roster with, to be honest, mediocre players, they're still getting wins. So first to comment on that, gentlemen, how do we feel about this Giants team out of week six? Do you think they are a fluky five and one team or do you think they have legitimate potential? I'll throw it out there. Well, I figured I'll go last because I'm not the New York guy here. So mm-hmm. I'll let the New York people speak first. <laughs> Well, uh, Kev, you want to pick it up? Yeah, I'll take this one. Um, <laughs> I think the one word to describe the Giants this year so far is culture. Uh, mm. That is the best way to turn a franchise around is to turn the culture around. Brian Dayball comes from winning culture in Buffalo. You know, he's been around a lot of winning teams, a lot of winning quarterbacks. And he comes in, takes Daniel Jones, who, to be honest, has not looked great his career so far. Yeah. And he goes out there and takes a team that, you know, is full of, as you said, mediocre players and brings in a winning culture. And I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, the players love him. And when you get your players to love you and they buy in, you're going to win games. I mean, they haven't had the hardest strength of schedule so far this year. So I think there's a couple wins that they got, you know, that 
you'd expect a, a, a good team to win. And then, you know, beating the Ravens this week, huge. Beating the Packers last week, absolutely huge. I mean, they, they do also have a very easy schedule coming up. So I think this is the team that if the culture stays and they can get production out of guys like Kadarius Toney, um, maybe even Kenny, Kenny Galladay, if they can find a way to get him on the field, you know, if they can get production out of those guys, this can be a really good team. Definitely, Spake, definitely. And, you know, highlighting that, the weapons. It is amazing how you have people like Danny Bellinger, Waldell Robinson, um, Marcus Johnson as the main weapons to get these yardage for for the Giants. And um, as Daniel Jones isn't a walk year, he's trying to prove that he is at least worthy of an extension one way or the other. But I think this really just shows that Dave Ball wants it his way with the mixture of both um, Dave Gettleman guys and his own. And I think that um, speaks volumes, especially like you said. And also, you could got to give credit with Saquon Barkley trying to prove his legitimacy. I mean, honestly, with he was playing well. I thought at this point of the season it would be appropriate to trade him. But now that you are top, atop of your division, just a game behind Philly, um, no reason to trade him just yet. And it's fair to say that um, there's they definitely had the schedule to their advantage. But again, win's a win, especially in a league where it's so hard to come by. Well, I think yeah. uh, I think when they play Philly, that's the real lit- litmus test for them. If I mean, I, I don't expect them to go into Philadelphia and win, but if they can keep it close, it's a close game. They look competitive against Philadelphia. They're going to start to look like a legitimate contender here. I mean, uh, I don't know about a Super Bowl year one for Dable, but I mean, a legitimate playoff team, if they can keep it close with Philadelphia in Philly. That's all we ask for, that just competitive games. And, you know, it's been a long time until then. And we don't play Philly until December 11th, so we still got about five weeks to go. And we just hope you just stack the wins by then and, you know, make that a really exciting game. How about you from afar, uh, Desmond, with your Philly team? And, of course, we're going to highlight them very soon in the agenda, but – yeah, I'll speak on the Giants the real Giants? quick. Are you threatened at all by the Giants? I'm never threatened by the Giants. I mean, the Giants never feel threatening to the Eagles. I've always thought that this division is a division that the teams all know each other so well. I mean, I feel like it's unlike some of the other divisions in the NFL. The rivalries are real in the NFC East. Um, I feel like the AFC West is pretty similar, and the NFC West might be the only like maybe AFC North. Okay, so there's like half, half. Now that I'm actually speaking about it out loud, but Giants will put up a good game no matter what their record is. They always do. I mean, the Giants have beaten the Eagles when the Eagles were having Super Bowl type years and they were down in the dirt. So I mean, it'll be a good game no matter what. But when I look at the Giants, I really like the the defense going on here. I mean, people keep talking about like Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, but I like what I'm seeing on the defensive side. The defensive line looks great. Yeah, uh, they're really getting after the quarterback. And offenses around the league has been struggling this year. This has been a defense heavy year around the NFL. And I mean, if you have a good defense, you're gonna you're gonna be able to compete any week, every week, especially if you can rush the passer. Rushing the passer in this league is the crown jewel of any defense. You got to be able to do that. I'm looking at 
you know, like we're, you're skipping ahead to the Eagles. You're like, that's their litmus test. I don't think so. I think the next five games all provide de- like decent challenges for them. I think Jacksonville's a legit team, even though that their record kind of seems a little otherwise. I think they're going to have a some problems going down there against a Doug Peterson led team who knows the Giants really well next week at the week after that going out to Seattle. That's always a tough place to play. And Seattle has a good offense, so that defense will be tested out there. Houston has a good defense. So, I mean, like, we'll see how good Daniel Jones can hold up against them. And the Lions and the Cowboys, they both provide different challenges, too. You have to go to Dallas and play Dallas. Well, I'm sure Dak will be back and healthy by then. So, I mean, I think by the time you get to that Eagles game, we'll know if you're for real or not before you even play the Eagles. So, I think the next five weeks are the real kind of, like, test for the Giants. Because if you can come out of the next – like six games before this Eagles game and you're eight and four you're going to the playoffs. That's how I feel about it. Competitive yeah, games I, in December. Yeah. I think like there's plenty to build on with the run game and the defense being sturdy. I think like Desmond's uh, just alluded to it. It's really just about consistency with this team because there's a lot of, um, a lot of games that they can be tested by, but they could also are very winnable games uh, the next five or six weeks. So if you come out of it eight and four and you feel, you know, you feel hot and stuff, it doesn't really matter who you've played per se, as long as you've had um, a few challenges here and there, you know, and tests to kind of come back from. Um, and as long as you're building on some of the th- things you can lean on, which is like defense and a run game to make Daniel Jones life a lot easier than um, it doesn't really matter. It's, you're, you're a real team at that point. I yes. mean, we've seen a lot of teams win Super Bowls with defense in the run game. I mean, we watched Denver when Peyton Manning could barely throw a 10 yard out route, win a championship on defense in the run game. You know, I mean, that last season that he played in, you know, we've seen so many times where like mediocre quarterbacks, you know, like win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, like, yeah, the Giants can get to the playoffs with this formula. The question is, can they can they keep it up? Can they do it over the course of the next 11 weeks? Well, we definitely hope that's the case. And especially that pass rush with Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, a returning Leonard Williams has been huge. And um, yeah, when you could contain Lamar Jackson, likes of Lamar Jackson and reckon an aging Aaron Rodgers, but um, you're going to win. And that's what it came down in the final drive. And there's lots to be excited about. And I guess the last thing on this on the other side, Baltimore, like I said, they lost their third crushing. They had their third crushing loss of the season. Had so much momentum after the first three weeks, and now they are back to the problems they had a year ago, major injuries to major problems. Do you hit the panic button if you're in Baltimore? I would because you're not – you're winning, you're getting away from your winning formula with Lamar Jackson in a heavy run game. You're not able to hold the, you know, the, the, the leads that used to um, get out to at the beginning of games. And truthfully, I think this team has an identity crisis ahead of that contract. So I think that, um, you know, I, I think they have a lot to worry about right now. Um, I think it depends on what your expectations are. Cause the Baltimore Ravens don't have a championship defense. So if you're telling yourself that you're hoping that the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl, well, then I guess you're hitting the panic button. But if you're being a little more realistic, this Ravens team, they're not going to be able to go to the even the AFC championship game as far as I'm concerned, because to get there, you would have to beat either the the Chiefs or the Bills most likely. And this is not a Ravens team who can beat the Chiefs or the Bills with that mediocre defense. So it doesn't really matter how good Lamar is playing right or isn't playing right now until they take the steps to to shore that defense up where they can actually contain any passing game. Well, then Lamar is just going to be a scapegoat for a team who he really can't 
overperform enough to make up for the fact that he can't play on the defensive side of the ball too. I understand that. I was just going off the expectations they had ahead of um, last season when they did make a playoff run because a lot of um, a lot of people in the media that um, that cover the game were you know kind of expecting to take that next step deep into a second round. Um, so, like you said, they're not going to go um, the, even that far if they don't clear up that secondary. No, not this year. Not this well, year. I, I mean the. The secondary hasn't looked good, but on paper coming to the season, it looked like it might be one of the best secondaries in the NFL. You know, you add Marcus Williams where you already have Chuck Clark. You add Kyle Hamilton. You have Marcus Peters. You have Marlon Humphrey coming into the season. It looks like it on paper should be a good secondary, and I think they might be able to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. Quick thing. Joining us is Bars the God for a surprise guest appearance. Here he is right now. <laughs> Trying to time that out. <laughs> okay. Bars the God. It's good to see you. What's up, dude? What's going on, boys? What's going on? Hey. What's up, Bars? You know Desmond and Alex. Kevin Schaefer, Bars the God. Here you go. Two great minds with sports <laughs> and football. Going on, Big Kev. Nice to meet you. All right, now the uh, crew's there, so switching it up a bit. Great to see you. So we're going to switch it off and talk about the other New York football team making a lot of noise. The New York Jets get another huge win off of the Green Bay Packers. Brees Hall's looking like a serious back in this league. Quinnum Williams has been really solid. Zach Wilson is holding it down and providing wins for the Jets. As the Jets' defense stops the stellar running back by committee in Green Bay, and with the likes of Sauce Garner as well, and the Packers look like they are in serious trouble this time. So first, I'm going to toss it to the Jets fan. Kevin Schaefer has been loyal a long time, who kept faith, especially when it was looking like they were a real joke after the first two weeks. And I admit, and there's a clip of me saying that, but it seems I'm eating crow on this one and I will stand corrected. And now they are getting a lot of momentum and maybe soon, uh, maybe soon Robert Sala is going to keep the receipts that he is requesting. So Kevin, first, you're Kevin, a Jets fan. Yes, sir. Since man, you are, uh, man, you are a brave man. I, I, I hear that. You know, I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I, was, I was born into it and uh, just never stopped. Hey, you know, respect. Hey, man, maybe it's finally going to get rewarded. So, Kevin, I'm just going to make it easy for you. Tell me how you're feeling about your team after six weeks at four and two. Well, first of all, I mean, you have three weeks of Joe Flacco, one where he wins a miraculous game. I mean, I have to give him credit for that one. But, you know, you get Zach Wilson at the start of the season they might win one of those games. You know, they, they might've beat Baltimore. Um, I think they could have beat Baltimore with Zach Wilson because the offense couldn't get going with Flacco. Um, everyone loves to talk about sauce Gardner. I love sauce Gardner, but I mean, the big guy in the secondary so far is DJ Reed. DJ Reed has been absolutely shut down all year. And when you have two guys on either side, you know, like it, th this season really reminds me of the 2009, 2010, 2010, 2011 jets. You know, you have a quarterback, young quarterback, who, as of right now, looks like he's playing like a game manager, a la Mark Sanchez. But you have a phenomenal defense with a great pass rush, two shutdown corners, and you have a running game. I mean, Brees Hall, 
Reese Hall has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, shout out PFF George for saying that was the worst pick of the draft. Um, <laughs> and how the Jets would miss that fifth round pick that they traded to get him. Um, I think I think this is a team that can make the playoffs, especially because going down the stretch, they have a very, very soft schedule going down the stretch. If they can get through, you know, the next four games where you have Denver, New England, uh, Buffalo, I can't tell you the other one, but if they can get through those games two and two, three and one, I mean – they have a legitimate shot to be the five seed in the AFC. I don't think they're going to win the division this year. I don't think anyone's going to surpass Buffalo. I could see Buffalo winning 13 games this year, but I mean, 10, 11 wins looks within reach at the moment. Yes. And just to um, put on that record, it goes Denver, then the Patriots, which would be a big game in two weeks. And then the bills on the six, um, just to point that out, you were saying Desmond. Uh, I wanted to, I want to jump in here. Cause I want to just make that point. I think I'm going to just keep it right there. Uh, first, last week I said that if the Jets won, I was buying stock in the Jets. So I'm, I've got to keep my word here. I'm buying stock in the Jets. So, you know, I'm going to start like taking a little bit of the old thoughts about the Jets off of this current Jets team, you know, I think we get caught up in cultures too much. But um, yeah, man, the next five games they play Broncos, Patriots, Bills, Patriots, Bears. I mean, those are five good defenses. I mean, so, I mean, like, I don't think that the Jets defense is the question. It's the Jets offense. So, I mean, like, I want to see the Jets offense versus those five defenses. Because I think if they can put up a decent amount of points in these five next weeks, then, yeah, punch your tickets. The Jets going to the playoffs. Because the rest of the schedule after that, it's very favorable after those, like, five weeks. I think that a lot of those games are kind of soft, you know, except for going up against Buffalo again and maybe the trip down to Seattle. You should have it. That should be a playoff berth for the Jets for the first time in like what a decade? Yep. It's been yeah, a decade now. Yeah. D ten, the longest. Since the Mark travel. Sanchez days. Well, you know, I, I think what's going on right now with the offense is best case scenario for Zach Wilson. He's not being asked to do too much. He's not being asked to go out there and win games, not being asked to go out there and, you know, put up the a high powered offense. Brees Hall, Michael Carter are getting the rock. The offensive line is blocking well, and he gets to sit back go through his reads when he has to throw the ball, get a lot of, you know, quick, easy dink and dunks. And it gives him a chance to learn and not have so much pressure on him, which is what you want for a young quarterback. I mean, are we ready to say that the Jets and the Giants are the same team? Because I'm ready to say it. I mean, they're constructed almost the exact same way. The good defensive line, the defensive like type of head coach who's building a culture there, the strong running game, the quarterback who's just like trying not to lose the game for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, aren't they the same team? Well, when you bottom out and you draft high, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> it has well, the difference. Plan. The difference is right. Honestly, there's no difference to be honest with you. Uh, like, I hey, wouldn't hey, say that's always both have, have they they both have pretty good defenses. I can't tell you who number twenty off the Giants is off the top of my head, but the first two games of the season and even after that, he's been a really big playmaker. Um, the Jets. Had a phenomenal draft, as we all know. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Garrett Wilson is—I uh, don't know if I butchered his name, but Garrett Wilson—he's—he's—he's—he's—he's—he's he's, he's, he's burning a couple people. Um, you got Sauce Sauce Gardner. He's doing yeah. a couple things. He's not—I yeah, mean, he ain't stopping George Pickens, but you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> he's doing a couple things. Uh, and then he did lock up Pickens, though. <laughs> 
not sauced up. But listen, uh, y'all got it. Y'all had a pretty solid. Y'all, y'all had a pretty solid draft. And from watching y'all play, it's really good. I'm not crazy like Desmond. I'm not about to start throwing my money into useless stock. But <laughs> but I will say that you guys are looking really phenomenal. A lot like the um, like uh, what year was that? What year was that? Y'all was looking real good, man. 2010, 2011? Yes, 2010, 2011. 2015, I wouldn't say that recently. They went to the AFC Championship game two years in a row. They did. They went went with Mark Sanchez? Yes. Yes. Y'all was looking good when you had Mark Sanchez. Right before the butt fumble. Hey, they beat Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in the same postseason that year. One thing thing I want to ask before we move on to the next segment is, I know we were talking on and off about the struggles with uh, Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. Um, yes. On third hand. down, on third down, he was four for 16 last Sunday. And they only, you know, accumulated 218, you know, yards to the air. Is this more of a symptom of a larger issue with the, with the, um, you know, with the rank and file with the receivers? Or is that more of a, a feather in the cap to the Jets? I, I'm going to give it to the, the, the shitty, um, the shitty management of the Green Bay Packers. And them having a lack of actually good receivers, like you got to look at, you got to look at it. They could have went in the draft. They could have picked up anybody. There was receivers for days, like literally, they could have got a lot of it. Well, not nah, they probably couldn't got a lot of it. Look at anyone that went in the second round, right? Green Bay could have got their hands on any one of them. They could have got Pickens. They could have got um. Yeah, off the top of my head, I can't tell you a list of the receivers that came out in the second round, but I can Alec tell you they could have got Pickens. They could have got Calvin Austin. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they could have got Steven Sims. They could have, like, they could have picked up anyone. Like, not Steven Sims. Uh, the hell's his name? Uh, rookie, rookie in Pittsburgh, man. I forget his name, but Pickens. they could have picked. They could have picked up. No, no, it's another one. Got him. Uh, I think he was undrafted, probably. But like, yeah. they could have picked up. They could have picked up anyone. Look at all the people that went undrafted. The fact of the matter remains is Green Bay's organization only cares about, for some strange reason, not getting wide receivers. That's it. Their whole goal is to not get wide receivers. They got Devontae Adams, and then they were like, you know what? Should we get a piece to help him? Nah, we got Devontae Adams. Let's go get Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins. Um, Let's see if Greg Jennings wants to try to retire, man. I don't know. Let's do something. I I wouldn't just chalk it up to just the shitty wide receivers. I mean, you look at the wide receivers that Reed and Gardner have held this year. I mean, Tyreek and Waddle, both under under 80 yards. You have Tyreek at 71. You have Waddle at 30. I mean, Jamar Chase had three catches for 35 yards. Pickens, Claypool, and Deontay Johnson did absolutely nothing against them. So I, I, I wouldn't say it's just, I mean, obviously that's a part of it. I mean, when you're thrown to Dobbs, Randall Cobbs, and Alan Lazard, that's obviously not going to get it done. But the Jets' secondary has been legit all year long. I mean, th- there's a couple different things going on here. Uh, the first is the Packers' receiving core isn't good. It's just not good. We knew who Alan Lazard was last year. I don't know why we were trying to like have like revisionist history about like who this wide receiver was. He wasn't that great last year, which is why... Aaron Rodgers almost exclusively threw to Devontae Adams, like what, 99% of the time on all like dropbacks. And then Randall Cobb was a good receiver, but he's older now. He can't get the separation he used to. Sammy Watkins been battling injuries. Same story. And Dobbs and Watson, I mean, 
yeah, they're rookies, but they just they're not progressing that that far along. But obviously, he's like trusting Dobbs more and more. I would know because he's on my fantasy team, so I'm seeing those targets go up. Mm-hmm. I'm believing in Dobbs, but honestly, I think we need to put more blame on Aaron Rodgers. He is just doesn't look that decisive on the field. He really doesn't. I mean, I, I feel as though he wants to blame other people and like kind of lean on his own greatness, but he doesn't look like a quarterback who's actually understanding the situation that he's in. He wants them to, uh, I guess, like be better, but he won't come down and actually, I guess, like tailor some of the play calling to the, his current personnel situation, which is he doesn't have a good receiving course and the need to have simpler routes. And it's, and it's what's crazy is the jets on paper, they tripled um, the production on the ground game for green Bay. They only had 60 total rushing yards. So when you have a one dimensional game, it already makes the job of Aaron Rodgers twice as difficult, but to your credit Desmond, it's like, he doesn't look as engaged and it, it looks like he's missing guys. Yeah, clearly. And I think if he goes under 500 after this week, then, um, you know, it's going to be a funny Pat Mack if he interview on Tuesday and he'll have a lot of explaining to do because he's definitely not the same confident um, all pro quarterback who's a two time MVP. He's just playing mediocre and not winning games and it's going to cost him very soon. So let's he'll talk- retire and go host Jeopardy. I mean, he'll I mean, they're going to beat the commanders. Let's not let's not get like symbolical about it, but. When they go to Buffalo the week after that, they're going to get smashed by the Bills, and I'm going to enjoy that. But just, but just listen, listen, just listen. These uh, are just point a on few of the names that they passed up on um, in in the second quarter, in the second uh, in the second round of the draft alone. They ended up getting uh, Christian Watson. How how good is he doing this year? Not good. Exactly. Not great. They let uh, Wandell Robinson. They they passed him up. Johnny uh, Mechie. Uh, Taquan Thornton, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Sky Moore. You know what I'm saying? Alex Pierce has been like, pretty solid for the Colts. Sky Moore has been good. So, so we're um, and George Pickens, his his targets are going up. He's getting more and more yards. He's not getting like any crazy numbers, but he's like honestly, I think that even he would be more productive in that Green Bay system than whatever they got going on right now. And I agree. Aaron Rodgers deserves just as much blame. Like, that's a fact. Excellent. He doesn't look like he wants to be out there. Nah. Tough start for him. And uh, needs to discount his ass off the court, off the field. (laughs) He's got a long ways to go. All right. Let's talk about the rematch we've all been waiting for Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. The Bills with a huge, absolutely huge win. Over the Kansas City Chiefs, the, a huge revenge win as well. And, well, let's break down what happened with Josh Allen throwing three touchdowns with 329 passing yards. Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis makes impacts on the on the um, field as well. Dawson Knox finally unlocks what potential they can have when they have a solid game with the tight end. The defense stops Mahomes when it matters the most, especially in the fourth quarter, causing two major turnovers, which include one on the final drive. Tough game throughout, very even, but ultimately Buffalo is the one to win it all. And they can rise on so much momentum there. How about that in a world where the Kansas City Chiefs are 4-2 and two and the Giants are 5-1? and one, The Jets, I think, are technically... With this win above them in the overall conference standings, um, this was as 
stellar as it got with a primetime game and there was nothing to disappoint. And I guess the, the big thing to look at this one, the Bills are five and one now. And um, like I said, the Bills are four and um, the Chiefs are four and two. Do we think a win like this for Buffalo first is going to have them coast for the rest of the season? Like, Kevin, you said you expect them to have 13 wins. Is uh, this the biggest win they're going to have already this year? And uh, can they coast this off for the next couple of months until the playoffs? Well, I'll I'll say it was a. A little bit surprised because Josh Allen is, I think the the last two years he's two and ten. Now two and ten. It was one and one and ten going into the game in one score games. Mm-hmm. The way it's it's been with him recently, yeah, he is he has not won a lot of one score games recently. Last couple That's years, amazing stuff. They have either they've either blown mm. people out of the water or he's lost one score games. So I mean, coming into this, I really. Coming to that fourth quarter, I, I didn't see him getting it done. He hasn't been clutched very much. And watching him win a one-score game like that gives me a lot of confidence. You know, as much as I, as a Jets fan, not wanting to see the Bills win, watching him go in that fourth quarter and, and win the game, not make mistakes that lose them a one-score game, I I see, like I said, 13 wins for this team. And I think they can, can coast a lot of the way. I mean, I think they have a couple of tough games throughout the rest of the season, but I, I don't see anyone really coming to their level. Mm-hmm. You know, going off that, I don't, I think 13 wins is too low because 13 wins would mean four losses. And I don't see another, I don't see three more losses on this schedule looking at it here. I mean, unless they just like start sitting people at week 14 or something, uh, you know, it's um, for me, I was actually encouraged by what the chiefs did because the Chiefs have a very suspect defense who's been playing really under par all year mm-hmm. and being able to hold that Bills offense to just 24 points, I think that should worry Buffalo because that, that was the part of the game plan that I thought wasn't going to, you know, like actually, you know, be an issue for them. I thought they'd be able to score on the Chiefs defense at will. Mm-hmm. It was a question of whether or not the Chiefs could score on that, on that Bills defense. And so, yeah, they won the game. They won a close one. You know, winning's all that matters. But at the end of the day, the Bills also beat the Chiefs in like week five or six in the regular season last year and then lost in the playoffs. So I don't think we should take too much stock into it other than the fact that I think we did just see the two best teams in the NFL face each other. And I think they should face each other again in the postseason. And if it's in Buffalo, edge Buffalo for sure. So if... If we're gonna if we're gonna separate it, you know, it's a good point, Desmond. If we're gonna separate it by how we um, who we're more encouraged about after this game, because I thought it was the best game of the weekend, I would definitely actually take you know the argument on behalf of Buffalo because I looking back, I mean, I understand that Kansas City kept this game close, but they still gave up 450 yards of offense, 320 through the air. They couldn't stop Stephon, stop Stephon Diggs um, through the air as well, and. Looked sensational. I mean, they had the ground game going with Singletary. They played a clean game, a lot of turnovers. And in the end, you know, the Chiefs, they still don't have, they're like, they're, they're just, it just feels like they're just going for fireworks. It feels like Andy Reid is still kind of running the show a little brazenly. And I don't think that's going to serve them well in the playoffs because I think that the Chiefs, they still have a lot of, um, you know, things to improve on, you know, since the absence of Tyreek Hill, because now they're really set to progress for the future in, in a, you know, in a franchise manner. But I mean, Alaire was shut down nine of 33. He only had about three and a half a carry. He looks like a bust. Well, yeah, 
but but it could it, it just be a product of a lot of what the enemy's trying to dial up too because right. um i don't think he has the breakaway speed but it doesn't look like their offense is operating in a manner which he can do so so i i just i feel far more encouraged by what the bills produced um on sunday and i think that um i i don't see another loss until the week at home against minnesota frankly um i like to touch a little bit on that uh i'm looking I'm looking at the, the Bills schedule and it's pretty light. And all I can really all I can really say is that they could probably get a loss in one of those trap games, maybe. Like, but aside from that, their schedule looks pretty cake, man. And it's kinda it's kinda scary. I don't think Green Bay is gonna have the defensive power to stop them. And then I'm just looking at it. They they play the Jets and the Patriots. And in Miami, two times this year, so one of those games could easily be a gimme for one of those other teams, you know. So it's been a long time since the AFC East had four decent teams. You know, it's been dominated <laughs> by the Patriots for so long. You know, it's kind of it's almost weird to think that they're all kind of viable right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna yeah. lie to you, I lo- kind of like lost train of thought. All right, I got you back. Pick you up a little bit. Oh, uh, I'd like to point out if if the Bills add Christian McCaffrey, which looks like it could be a possibility, just that, just give that up. team might win a Super Bowl and not lose a game the rest of the year. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you add that dynamic weapon, where now you have a like real run game along with Christian McCaffrey, is you add him to Gabe Davis, you add him to Dawson Knox, you add him to Stephon Diggs. Who who's give covering up. those four guys? Oh, they they they, 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 well, they were with a bad taste of their mouth from last season. They want to go for a once and for all. I well, think to be honest, to be honest, uh, Dustin Knox been kind of dry this this season. I got him on fantasy. He ain't really been doing shit for me. Like, he doesn't get a lot of targets in that offense, you know. He right. doesn't. I think, he doesn't. Yeah. And I, I mean, and Diggs I, gets a lot of targets, which I'm happy about because he's on my fantasy team. And and um, so I remember now. The problem with the Chiefs is the Chiefs when they get ahead. They play conservatively. Yeah, they do. they they do not play aggressively, and I cannot take credit for that. Um, for that, for that hot take, it was actually one of my coworkers. He told me this, and I actually stopped and I thought about it. Look at how the Bills play offense; they will crush you if you give them the chance. Doesn't what? matter what they are up by; they will fucking blow you out. And then the Chiefs tend to be like, all right, we're up, we're up like fourteen points. Let's fall back a little bit now. The defense is playing lax, chilling, and they're on the they're on the sideline, probably playing patty cake and fucking rock paper scissors. And now the other team's up twenty points, and now the Chiefs got to play catch up, which they are surprisingly good from play, like good at playing catch up. But now having to do that, like you got to play, you got to jumpstart your defense, you got to jumpstart your offense. Everything's like you know, if you're playing a kill the whole time, you don't ever have to worry about that. You're just going out there efficiently running through the game, you're actually letting your defense get a breather. But if you're just going out there playing conservatively, every t- just doing a couple of check downs and then uh, we ain't getting, you got to play a little bit more aggressively than that. Well, and, and, and the other thing too, uh, Bars, is that like there, there's, there's still like a little bit of like lack of discipline with Spagnuolo's defense because there were two plays distinctly on the second to last drive that Buffalo had where there was the Chris Jones play that could, was a no call on the, on the tripping call. 
that they didn't call that they probably could have. And that would have gave them a first down immediately and continued the drive and ran out the clock. But also there was, um, there was a no call on the kickoff as well um, from, from that possession that Buffalo kicked off. And there was, there was a, I think it was a hit. It, it was, it was a hit off of the, um, out of the play that could have, that could have basically gave them a fresh set of down. So I think like, you know, kind of cleaning up some of that, that play on um, um, some of that play with, with their special teams and um, just, you know, the Spagnuolo's defense will allow them to uh, get, you know, improve throughout the year. So. Well, and then I, I want to make sure for two points about the, about the bills defense. First of all, Tredavious White's coming back, right? I, not hundred percent sure. Yeah. That. That's scary. Back. And, let, and let's talk about Jordan Poyer who drove 15 hours both ways because he wasn't cleared to fly to play for them. I mean, first of all, when you, when you have a culture like that, where a guy's willing to drive 15 hours to come and play for you, that's insane. And getting him, just getting him back in general is a huge for their defense and that's a defense that just, a defense that just shut out a Steelers team, which, you know, is not a terrible offense. And beat them thirty-eight to nothing. You get Poyer back. You're gonna have Tre'Davious White back. I mean that that defense is scary too. Yeah, we had three points. We had three points. Don't do oh, that. Oh, three. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Basically, shut up. Just enough. Just enough. But all in all, it was exactly what we expected, and then some. And nothing beats stellar primetime football like that. And transitioning to that to another primetime game. We had Philadelphia versus Dallas. Eagles went 26 to 17. Incredible game for Jalen Hurts. Incredible game for the Eagles having three interceptions in all. Seems Cooper Rush lost his job. Dak Prescott's coming back after this week. And the Eagles are riding high after a huge win at home on Sunday night. Going to throw it to the Eagles fan. Are you now feeling like this is the best team in the NFC? Because last week when we spoke, you didn't feel so confident. After this win against your division rival, has that take changed? A little bit, but not completely. I mean, I saw a lot of things in that game that still make me – so still making me a little worried about the team overall. Uh, we definitely struggled after Lane Johnson went out. So I'm definitely worried about my offensive line right now. Mm-hmm. I did. I was encouraged by one thing because I, I think you don't really know what kind of coaching you have until you're put against like a really tough defense. And I love the fact that they made the whole game plan around Micah Parsons. Like they were constantly trying to either like <laughs> run at him or throw at him or just like they, it seemed like they were tailoring everything that they were doing to him. The couple of like plays I saw in a, I guess, uh, I think they were almost like back to back where they had someone kind of like in motion who was like going to run right by him, almost like to like clip him up. And then they would throw to that receiver who just ran by him. Smart game planning. And I also like, I think it's a pretty cool flex that we can QB sneak whenever we want to, and no one can stop it. So that's pretty cool. But um, Dallas, you know, actually I'm, um, you asked me earlier if I, if I feel threatened by the giants, mm-hmm. I feel threatened by the Cowboys. That Even defense is, week. that defense is for real. We're gonna have to go play them in Dallas later in the season when they have Dak back at full strength. I think Dallas is just as good as our team is. And so I don't feel comfortable calling the Eagles the best team in the league just yet. Okay. Uh, not until I can see what the Cowboys are going to do once Dak gets reinstalled. But I like where we're heading. I think this team gets better as the season goes on. And I think that Jalen Hurts is going to be a great quarterback in this league, but he's not there yet. I think he's getting better, but he's he's on the ascent. So I'm encouraged by what the Eagles are doing right now. 
that uh that Micah Parsons game plan, absolute genius. They what they did is they took him out of the game. You have you have a, if you try and block Micah Parsons, he's going to sack your quarterback three times. Yeah. So what they did, they leave him unblocked and let Jalen Hurts read him every play, zone reads, you know the RPO, and they took him out of the game. They essentially took their best player out of the game, and that's wonderful game planning and. Nick Sirianni is a maniac. I mean, after the game, he looked at the uh, the Cowboys sideline, screams, "Fuck you, it's over." Yeah, mm-hmm. and then then running He's down the tunnel, bro. just screams, "Go birds!" I mean, that's the guy <laughs> you want coaching your team. That's the guy that players are gonna you know buy into their their scheme, and you can see that he's done that this year. They've all bought in, and he has game planned extremely well for everyone they've played. I I disagree with the Cowboys being just as good as a team as the Eagles. I hate both teams and pains me to say that is slightly better than the Cowboys right now, offensively and defensively. Um, the Eagles, they're, they're the, um, sorry, the Cowgirls, they can't get, can't get their offense to click like fully all the way yet. Like CD should be like, they should be, they, that game should have went completely different. If that offense was on point, I feel like it's weird to say, but the cowgirls are already suffering from attrition. It's madness. Like Dak's not in there. Like Zeke has just never been the same. Um, the, everyone's prepared for Tony Pollard. That one, two punch is already getting a little like, you know, who else do they have over there? Like they got rid of Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. Like, come on, like, stop it. Was it like, they could have like their, their offense is not, it's, it's not, it's not clicking the way it should be. Now, if you want to look at the Eagles, the Eagles, they got um what? They got AJ Brown over there. Yeah. Yeah. And they got Devontae Smith. Devontae won me some money. <laughs> Devontae won me some money. Like, <laughs> dude's an animal. Like, how many touchdowns did he have? Was he didn't have just one, but you know, one, I mean, as far as a, a number two wide receiver goes, I mean, he's a pretty good number two wide receiver. Come on. Former high that, offense, that offensive line is good. Jalen Hurts runs not because he's in trouble. It's because he wants to or because the play calls for it. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's the difference. And sadly enough, the only issue that I feel is going to slow the Eagles down is the fact that they're on such a roll right now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, eventually they'll slow down. Still think they're going to make the playoffs. And I believe that they got the best chance of winning their division. So... But the Eagles passing game just isn't strong enough yet. I'm, I'm going to keep my point really brief here, because if you do run against a, a defense who's able to contain our running game, we might struggle throwing the ball. And that, that's that's why I'm still worried about just yet. But I think that might get that might get better as the season goes along. And I kind of and I kind of stopped to look at it. If you kind of pay attention to the Eagles over time, their offense has always kind of been built around a scrambling type quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Or not always, but like since the since 2000. Yeah, Since, you know what I'm saying. Since the McNabb era, then I don't know who stepped in right after McNabb. Michael Vick Beck. was there exactly. Vic yeah. was there at one point, scrambling his ass off, doing his thing, chucking the ball. Only thing is, Jalen Hurts needs to get more confidence in his arm, and then we'll be looking a little. You guys will be looking a little more solid. Like, well, yeah, I think. Well, I think you didn't take it quite a step further. I think like the only thing unlocking them from you know an NFC championship, honestly, is just getting more 
reassurances between Hertz and Sirianni because I think this team is complete. Um, I think that, you know, you know, other than the four sacks that they gave up on Sunday, you're going to give that up to a good defensive team like Dallas. But um, I mean, they were, they were exceptional, you know, in all three phases of the game. And in reality, when you can control the ground game and you can control the clock, um, you make it a lot easier for your defense. They won in time possession by almost nine and a half minutes. So um, I thought this was just a phenomenal statement game. And I think I I believe, in my opinion, I believe that the front defensive line is just a bit better, just a bit better than than um the Cowboys defensive line overall. Because what the Cowboys don't have Randy Gregory, right? They lost him. He's in Denver. Exactly. That's a big missing piece of your defense right there. Um and then you spoke weed in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there you go. But like, yeah, like that's a big piece of um your your defense missing right there already. And then you just gotta look at how well that offensive line, I mean that defensive line just clicks for the Eagles. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm not saying that the, the defensive line doesn't click that well for the, the Cowboys, but there's more big names I feel on that defense. So mm-hmm. people are looking more for those big names on defense to make plays, as in on defense for the Eagles, that whole defensive line can make a play at any moment. Like, it's just, it's just, it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just smart D-line construction. When you can, when you can rotate in and out, like, between six to eight or six to nine, like, players on your defensive line, like, yeah, you're stacked. I mean, that that's what every defensive line wants. The Eagles can do that. The Cowboys can do it, too, though. That's the problem. And so, I mean, like, I don't think there's a whole lot of separation between us and them just yet. But, you know, I'm willing to see how the rest of the season goes. You know, I'm encouraged. The Eagles are 6-0. That's the most important thing. Quick hot, important hot take thing on, the, yep. on the Cowboys. I don't think Zeke is on this team at the end of the year. I think he's still at the deadline. No. no. Tony, Pollard, Tony Pollard has been – phenomenal for them and Zeke is probably at the highest his stock is going to be someone's going to need a running back if they come calling I'm trading Zeke let Pollard run the ball he's he's been your best running back all year anyway he's been your best running back for two years come on well and here's the thing if you're paying Dak 40 million dollars a year how can you justify being a run first offense I just don't think that has enough leverage in this game in 2022 Oh, I mean, Dak had his best years when they were a run-first offense, so it might actually be in their benefit to sure. keep that like 60-40 run style when he does come back anyway. Especially if he's coming back with I, screws in his hand from a, I don't, a game manager, not a quarterback. I don't, I don't no 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 Desmond I don't don't get me wrong I don't disagree I think he looks exceptional when he has a great um ground game to rely on, but yeah. I just think that when you pay them that type of money that they're expecting production out of Dak. I mean, he's the Cowboys quarterback. Max. When don't when don't they have expectations though? All yeah, the, all right. the cattle walling, all the cattle walling that entire like, like damn near like that they did like just to get paid and shit for them to produce what? How many NFC championships? Yo, it's the Cowboys. Worry, I mean, the people who actually believe that they're gonna do something. I mean, they people have been delusional for like this whole century so far. I mean, my favorite D word. It's been since '95 <laughs> since they've been in a Super Bowl. But yes, Eagles take this. Stay undefeated. The Cowboys looking forward to returning Dak Prescott should be good after that. So we'll talk about one of two upsets that uh, Bars got, but this in general. Uh, was a very interesting game, and then we'll throw one in the middle. 
The Steelers defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kenny uh, Pickett comes out, and then the Nickelodeon MVP, Mitch Trubisky, helps bring down the Bucs at home. The big story here is Mitch. Did he prove that he's still a starter in this league after this win? I'll just start right away with that. Did Mitch Trubisky, after defeating Tampa Bay, prove that he could still start in this league? Hell no. Hell <laughs> Don't think no. so. Tell uh, me why. Hell boss. no. Mitch Trubisky proved that he is a solid backup quarterback. That's what he has proved. He's okay. proved it in Buffalo. And he's proved it again in Pittsburgh. Pay that man for two years so he could be the new Mason Rudolph. Dust off Mason Rudolph to whatever team they want to dust him off to. I heard Carolina had interest in office. I don't care. The fact is, Mitchell Trubisky will never be a starting quarterback in this league ever again. Like, that's just my – well, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, he's not about to have no Ken Stable-type career, win a bowl, like, and then come back and do something else. Nah, he's not about to do that. Mitchell Trubisky has shown what he can do. Like, over time, the offensive line was not great in the beginning of the season, and they slowly started to shore up. And as it was shoring up, Mitchell Trubisky had time to throw the ball. He is just inaccurate at times. He can he can be very accurate. He can put the ball right on the button. But there are times where he should use his legs, he doesn't use his legs, and he's an athletic quarterback. That's like, it's, it's, it's oxymoronic. Like, it's just weird. It's like, do I use my legs? Do I scramble? Let me throw the ball. Pick, pick, pick. What are we doing here? Um, but it, when the game is not all on his shoulders, I've realized that Mitchell Trubisky is actually a decent quarterback. Look at his little, when Josh Allen was down last year, Mitch came in in Buffalo. I think they won that game from correct. Mitch did his thing, held it down, a couple runs, uh, s- some nice throws. Mitch's best mid-range. He's not no deep threat quarterback. He can throw it deep, but he's best mid-range. Um, but like all in all, I can't really just blame him, but he was trash in Chicago. He just barely was over 500, like 31 and 29. Come on. Kind of time mm. for that. He went to the playoffs with Matt Nagy as his head coach. Mm. I mean, Matt Nagy went to the playoffs with Mitchell Trubisky as a starting quarterback. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Mitch Trubisky carried Nagy to the playoffs and Matt Nagy, didn't build an offense for Mitch Trubisky. How long was Nagy? How long was Nagy over there? Three years, I think. Three seasons. Oh, okay. He couldn't Double build an and lost in New Orleans. He you know, He couldn't build an offense for Justin Fields. Yeah, I think that Mitchell Trubisky is basically Jimmy Garoppolo. I agree, one hundred percent. And no, here's what I mean by that: uh, currently, the Pittsburgh Steelers have a below-average offensive line. And Mitchell Trubisky is a very safe quarterback. He doesn't really like to throw the football into like tight spaces. He likes to throw it to people who are wide open. It looks like he's a dude who's trying to just like make the safe play every single game. And and you can't have that on a team who has a suspect offensive line because you've got to be able to open it up with the passing game. So if you had Mitchell Trubisky with a team who was, who had great receivers and a great offensive line, I think he could game manage a team, you know, into the playoffs, but he can't game manage a bad team into the playoffs. So he's not, he's not a great quarterback, but he could win you some games in the right circumstance. I don't think Pittsburgh is the right circumstance. He's going to be the backup there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely, but you give me a team where you see Mitchell Trubisky being the starting quarterback, the New York jets. Yeah. Okay. 
I see them going there. I see him going to the New York Giants as he well. He wouldn't start for the Jets. Nah. He wouldn't he start, start for the Daniel Cardinals. Jones. I'd rather have Daniel Jones than... Start for the Cardinals? Right Who's he can start for the Cardinals. Cardinals? Where? At quarterback. Yeah, Where? Over Kyler Murray. Right I mean, you want to have this debate. I think Kyler Murray is Man, officially then, overrated. Last week, I said before, while you weren't here that I think Justin Fields is a bust. My hot take for this week is I think that Kyler Murray is severely overrated and he oh. might also be a bust. It they does look slow. Big bust, but he's got little glimpses that people like to see. Now, I will tell you this. I'll, I'll, save, this for, I'll save it for another conversation. See, another two, another <laughs> team I do see Mitchell Trubisky starting for. Houston Texans. All right. But, um, you know, moving on from that, <laughs> the other thing regarding the Steelers and the week, another weakness, the week, the Steelers team, ah, sorry, the Steelers defense is pretty weak yet. They were able to give pressure to Tom Brady. And um, you could see as Tom Brady was just giving it to his offensive line, he was pissed. Definitely the funniest meme of the week saying, I'm losing my family to lose to the Steelers team. Uh, man, tough one there. Um, especially well, on third down in the red zone, it was a tough game for Tampa Bay and the Bucks. You were saying, Kevin? I think the easiest explanation is that Giselle is a witch and Tom Brady's career is now over. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's – that that's the easiest explanation here. No. Okay. So no. yeah, this was basically going in this point about <laughs> the Buccaneers at three and three right now. Um, you know, Tom Brady looks older and older in these press conferences, and the Bucks are definitely underachieving. And they're and Brady's weapons did return for this game. He had a healthy Godwin, he had a healthy Mike <clears> Evans, <throat> and uh, still wasn't able to capitalize, only scoring 18 points yeah. against a uh, severely missed out Steelers team. I think this is going to be Brady's, um, you know, with Peyton Manning's last year in Denver, where the team might win some games despite of him. I don't think he's going to be the guy that he's been. I think he's, he took it a year too long, just like Peyton Manning did, to try and Facts. win another championship. Facts. Listen, Tom Brady had his sunlight or his limelight or whatever you want to call it. He had his 15 minutes in the fame. It lasted 20 fucking years. The problem with Tom Brady is he should have knew when to hang the hat up. And because he's not going to know when to hang the hat up, instead of kissing his mouth, the kids in the mouth, right? He should be over there raising his damn kids. He could have oh been spending stuff. Yeah. So instead of collecting uh, Father's Day cards from Philip Rivers and his kids, you, know, you should be collecting Father's Day cards from your kids. And this is the replicate. This is like, this is the repercussion you get from it. Your age is sitting in, your wife don't love you no more. <laughs> is this a football podcast or a TMZ podcast? What are we, what are we doing right now? What are we, what are we doing right okay, now? Okay, okay. Tom should have hung it up, bro. That's just it. The football gods have spoken. He got his seven. Like, that's it. Nobody got, like, you know, seven rings. Tom should have been like, yeah, I'm done. Like, even Tom's dad. I think it's his dad, bro. I think it's Tom Brady's dad, to be honest. Fuck your wife and the kids, man. Go play ball. Like, I think that's what it is. And also, you think... Do you think some of this is just a byproduct of not having weapons too? I mean, it, it it's, is. Yeah, not having weapons. Yeah, no. Well, He's, I mean, yes, hundred percent right. Did you know Akeem Hicks was on that defense? Because I didn't so, know that. So outside of Mike Evans, you know, you really just have Chris Godwin basically on a return year after coming off an injury. So it, you know, it is kind of slim pickings with that team. And you know, besides Leonard Fournette, who's basically half of what he used to be, like they don't have a lot to go to. 
what, what happened? No, I mean, like, if you oh, if you're looking at the, the team as Brown. a whole, if you're looking at the team Chris as Brown. a whole, I mean, like, Brady has always been a guy who relied on a strong offensive line to be who he is. Like, that's always been something that he's had his entire career going back to New England. Belichick stressed the offensive line. He's always had protection. He's not a mobile quarterback. The offensive yeah. line has taken some injuries. And so Brady is vulnerable back there, which has always been the way to beat Brady. On top of that fact, all defenses are slanting towards Mike Evans because the rest of his wide receivers are suspect. Chris Godwin's going off an ACL injury, and then he pulled his hamstring or tweaked his hamstring in the first game against Dallas. So he can't get separation the way he used to. Russell Gage has always been a below-average wide receiver. Julio Jones is hurt. Gronkowski is injured, and then Brake gets injured. Yeah, this Buck offense is just not what it was last year. Tom Brady threw for 5,000 yards last season. There's no way to say that he just dropped off over the course of four or five months in the offseason. That doesn't make any sense. His team's not as good as it was last year. So, I mean, like, yeah, he should retire, but, like, let's let's look at the whole picture here. That team is not what it was last year. 2015 Peyton Manning. Look at 2015 Peyton Manning. Look at the year he won the Super Bowl. Right, but he had a neck injury, yeah. so he it was like no. it was actually getting worse as the years were going oh, along. Also, Tom Brady, three quarters of his career has been elevating terrible wide receivers. I'm about to. I was just about to touch he, this. He, he won the AFC East with Tembrell Tompkins as his number one wide receiver. Right, and also he always had the best offensive but line. I, in I, the agree. I agree. Every no, I agree. Every agree. Hundred percent. That is not. Line. I agree. True. The offensive line is the problem, but I don't think. You can blame weapons on it at all yeah, because he's always been great at elevating receivers. But the offensive line is clearly the the issue. He's had a top five offensive line. As well. I mean, he's not always best, had good wide receivers one. too. I mean, nah, even going back negative. to the beginning, Troy negative. Brown, Dion Branch won Super Bowl MVP. What? He had Randy Moss. I mean, are he you, had like, Randy Moss one year, what, of like what two, three, years? four years. Wes Welker, like Julian Edelman. Are you kidding me? He's always had weapons. All right, but let's go back to the beginning. No, he's not always had weapons. That was in the, the 2010s of his careers. Let's go back to the beginning of his careers in, in the early 2000s. Deion right? Branch won MVP against the Eagles in 2004. Uh, he, he, all right, Deion Branch. <laughs> what did Deion Branch do after that? Troy Brown's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Only probably because of Tom Brady. Outside well, of that, was, he you're got, saying he didn't have weapons. He had no weapons. <laughs> Man, um, Tom Brady's always causing not debates. Prolific, he was not a prolific it. scorer. Tom Brady is, was not. And now, later in his career, when he started attaining weapons, he became a prolific scorer. Like, 50, 55 touchdown passes. That wasn't Tom Brady in the 2000s. First of all, Tom Brady almost Except died. Except for in 2007, then, where he set the record for most touchdown passes in the, in the NFL season, where Randy Moss still holds the record for most receiving touchdowns in a season. He had to have You Randy see the Moss highlights there. from that 2007 season? Disgusting. Yes, I, I did. Like college I did. games. It was I a did. track team. It was a track team. Yeah. He made Darrell Reeves yeah. one of the best yeah. corners. And he lost to Eli All Manning. Look like an idiot. Huh? And he lost to Eli Manning. Because yeah. of the Giants defense line. is legit. Pass <laughs> rush. Um, that, offense yeah. was, that offense was prolific. Prolific. The Any only offense Sunday, greater man. than that. The I mean, only offense the greater than that offense was that Matt Ryan offense. Well, the, the greatest show is to Tom Brady. 2015? The Rams team, too. Man, Tom Brady always creating debates. I love it. Now let's talk about Kirk Cousins instead. So it looks like the Vikings continue their dominance and improve to 5-1. and one. Dalvin Cook shows how reliable he can be as a running back in this league. Justin Jefferson shows why he's a top back. Thielen is really getting a lot of momentum as the weeks have gone on. And Kirk Cousins has been staying consistent. Lots to be excited about in Minnesota. Miami still dealing with the many injuries they are having. 
really losing momentum. And despite a good game from Teddy Bridgewater, Hill and Waddle and Jacecki, who really needs to have more standout games for his skill set, it was a tough, tough day in this Super Bowl rematch from back in the early 70s. But all in all, how about the Vikings? They're five and one and they're not getting a lot of love. Why is that? Um, because they're frauds. You think they're frauds? Please, please, please uh, elaborate on that. Look, Kirk Cousins has always been a, a very mid quarterback. He's mm-hmm. just wow. mid. I mean, he will always be that guy who's in between like 12th and like 18th as far as quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, and I know this, the theme of the episode is like, look at the schedule. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the schedule right now. And they're going to have games against the Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, and Lions all in a row. And I think they're going to lose all of them. I I mean, like, honestly, I I do not believe that this Minnesota Vikings team is that good. Um, Their defense has, I mean, they basically play this really weak shell coverage over and over again. They've been getting lucky with facing mediocre offenses. When they actually play another good offense, I think that the Vikings are going to fold. I do not think this team is – They'll probably win the division because the Packers are sucking this year and the Lions don't have a defense and the Giants don't, I mean, the Bears don't have an offense. But I mean, they might win the division going 10 and seven or nine and eight. I, I don't think they're a good team. Okay. How many of those games are at one o'clock? I think you're sleeping on them, boy. That's a good question. Because one o'clock Kirk Cousins is the best Kirk Cousins. If there's anyone that doesn't like Kirk Cousins, is me. I think he is. I think. He is a mid quarterback. Statistically, that man is in the ratings for a lot of top fives in completion, completion, passer rating, and there's one other category. But I found that out like just recently, like watching the NFL Top 100. Kirk Cousins is a very efficient and actually very accurate quarterback. The the that's what we don't realize. Well, it's because he doesn't stand out doing these Patrick Mahomes-like things that we're not really looking at Kirk Cousins, but they're winning. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, well, what well, Desmond said, it's like he's fraud in the in the context of, like, are they a real playoff team? Like, they'll win the division handily, and I, and I hope to pray to God that they do because this is the only chance they're going to get with Green Bay being in the slumps. But, I mean, I, there are a lot of things to like about this team, you know, in terms of the offense and how it operates and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Thielen. Like, I do like this Minnesota team to at least win the division. But beyond that, um, you know, I feel like that's their ceiling right now. What are the team – what are the team, right, that you see winning its division that has two capable receivers that are capable of being number one, Thielen and Jefferson? Like seriously, there's plenty of teams. I mean, I'm really disappointed that's win in, the, division? in Detroit right now because I feel like Detroit has a good enough offense to win the division, but their defense just basically doesn't even exist on paper. They have two number life. one receivers. They can't. They yeah. can't close close games. They have two receivers that can be labeled a number one. The only other team I can think, but I know they're not going to win the division, is Miami. With well, I mean, Waddle and Tyreek, don't have two number one receivers. Thielen's not Waddle and Tyreek. Those are two number one receivers. They can easily be the number one receiver on any team, both of them. Oh, I thought we were talking about the NFC North really quick. Oh no, 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 no! I'm just, I just meant like the posi- position wise. It means so. like the whole league, yeah. Uh, no, nah, I'm like you know, like conversation. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I was talking about the best receiver in the league, like, uh, but nah, I mean like the, the best receiver on the team. 
They have two receivers that can easily be the best on the team. Thielen, before Jefferson got there, Thielen was a problem. Now I feel like Jefferson got there. Everyone's talking about Jefferson. No one's talking about Thielen. They kind of sleeping on him, and that's going to open them up. That's going to get them real good. They got a um, – who was a young boy that they had playing with them? Um, They got another receiver. Um, He's like a Brandon Ayuk type guy. Osborne? Jalen Ray. Osborne? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, KJ Osborne. KJ Osborne. He's solid. Right. Then you got Dalvin Cook, and then who's their back? Who's their uh their backup back? Madison, right? He's not bad. He's not bad. Like he's he's got the Dalvin Cook esque kind of running him. He can bust off a couple of big yards when Dalvin's off the field. Like their defense, like you said, shady. Mm-hmm. Like oh, is Anthony Barcel over there? Yeah, yeah. You got um. Uh, what's, uh, you trying to name the whole roster right now? What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the point going on here? Like, make, what, make I'm the point, is, man. what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, you sleeping a little too hard on the Vikings. You know what I'm saying? He was going to say last year. Going to keep going, name the whole roster year. to make that point. <laughs> that game last year that they, they played against us, one of the greatest games I've ever witnessed. Like, legitimately, the comeback was great. We just didn't clutch it out. But listen. All right. What's what's what what's what's the white boy, man? <laughs> Are you serious right now, man? Let's <laughs> Harrison, Harrison. Bro, they got a solid they got they got a solid man. Bro, we have we, we all got Google. It's okay. All right, all right. <laughs> you know, okay. um much love, much love. Look at that team. That team is good this year. I'm a Steelers fan right. and I'm kissing in my grave. All right. Like, you know, one thing too about Miami though. When they had so much momentum in the first three weeks and have gone through a hell on a PR standpoint and not winning games anymore. Miami, the big thing, it looks like Tua is returning in week seven. And do we think that Tua can ultimately save them and get the momentum back when they play the when they play when they play the Steelers? on Sunday night. Do you think Stu was going to save them and, um, you know, overcome from his concussion issues? Hell no. Hell no. Listen, the problem was Tua should have sat down after his first injury. And he was like, nah, I'm good. And then he fucked around and got hit again, right? The issue here is that hero ball. You can't be playing that shit in football. Like, you can't do that shit. You hurt. Sit down. They have a decent, they had a decent backup that they could have played, led to it, like, you know, they, but they, they want to keep that, that momentum that they had going winning those games. You know what I'm saying? I feel that. I understand that. But ultimately, that time off um, that Tua sh- should have took is what's going to affect him later on. Yeah, he got it later, but I feel like the damage was done. I feel like you're going to see a lot of 2021 Tua Tagovailoa, Dinkin Dunks. Can't really get the ball out. Uh, you probably see a mad Tyreek Hill on the on the sideline, and you're gonna see a very big cheesy Brian Flores on our sideline. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I'm gonna keep it real quick here because I know we got to get through a, a bunch of these games still. Uh, I, I think Tua should just sit out for the rest of the season. I mean, uh, just quick. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I mean, you take two different concussions in a, in a week. You know, I know that he's trying to play well to get a new contract, but I don't think it's worth it. Um, the Dolphins, are they better with him? Sure, if he's healthy. But is he healthy? I mean, is he mentally healthy? And in, in the sense where, like, can he is he actually going to be 
confident being in in the pocket because the offensive line's ever been that great for them? Or is he going to be shook back there and going through his progressions too quickly because he's afraid of getting hit again? I just, it's an unfortunate situation. I think the short answer is no. I don't think that he's enough to help this team like get like into the playoffs and be good this year, Uh, but could be wrong. I think even with Teddy Bridgewater, they'll be favored this week though, because the Steelers on the road in Miami, I like Miami's chances even without Tua, to be honest with you. The, the, the doctor who, who brought CTE to light told Tua said in an interview, Tua should retire and never play football again. I mean, he said, looking at, looking at him, (laughs) way his fingers, fingers went like that, the way his head hit the turf, he has permanent brain damage and should never play football again. I mean, that, that's a a serious thing to say. And Tua should really consider that. I mean, that's a scary situation. And the Dolphins are most likely going to have some real major repercussions coming after this season. They found a way to dub concussion protocol the first time around. They found a way. The second time, they wasn't avoiding it. The damage was done. That's my belief. Yeah, I do think ultimately at the end of the season, it is worth to talk about the Miami franchise as a whole because remember, their owners and a lot of shit. Um, this issue with two on the concussion issues, um, I think it's really, it, you know, it's too early to tell. And, you know, you're technically still into it. It's still only week seven. But, yeah, Miami, lots of issues going on on and off the field. Marcus Mariota, guys, who would have thought this guy has three touchdowns, stays real confident, completing his first 13 passes in a row. And they ultimately shut out San Francisco in the second half. Good call, Desmond, on that. They eat up the running game, causing fumbles. Jimmy G throws two interceptions. Ayuk really was the only bright spot for the San Francisco offense, who is beat up. But um, how do we like Atlanta moving forward in this division, especially with the Bucs struggling right now? And another win against the spread for Atlanta. How about that? 6-0 and against the spread. Atlanta Falcons really making some noise. I think this can really start a legit conversation. Do you guys feel the same way? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so, oh, yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, no, I mean, like, they're fun for now. Like, I think they're playing with house money. I, I'm not quite sure if they're a paper tiger or if they're, like, a legit contender for that division because I think it's wide open. But I like seeing Mariota kind of have a second rebirth. Um, mm-hmm. He's pretty, playing a pretty conservative game, you know, thus far into the season. You know, he only had 14, 14 attempts. You know, he was, you know, marvelously, you know, efficient. But um, uh, I like a lot about this team. Um, you know, I think that, like – they're kind of starting to feel their oats a little bit, seeing who has talent and who and who's who. Um, but I thought this was just like a really, <clears throat> a really really sloppy game on on the part of uh, San Francisco. If you look at like kind of the breakdown of what what they went through, um, you know, they had uh, they had two interceptions, they had a fumble. Like, there's a lot of things that they could have cleaned up. But um, I was really impressed by nine of fourteen on third down for Mariota. I was pleasantly surprised. So I think this team is you know, real exciting. And, you know, they may dethrone Tampa if they continue to have struggles. You know, I want to say one thing really quickly. The, um, I mean, yeah, I called the game, you know, for reasons I gave last week, but Atlanta's top 10 in points per game. There's currently sitting at number eight. 
their schedule is so favorable looking mm-hmm. at like what they have coming up. I mean, you know, two games with the Panthers, they have the Chargers coming to them for another one of those West Coast, like early one o'clock games. They have the Bears, the Commanders, the Steelers. I mean, they could run through that whole lineup and just like win the next seven games in a row. I, I, so I don't know. I think the Falcons offense for real. I mean, they've been oh. scoring 23 or more in five of their six games. I, I think watch out for the Falcons. Um, I will. I will. I, so I, I, as a Steelers fan, I will not watch out for the Falcons uh, while Mariota is their uh, quarterback. Um, but I will say that I do like Kyle Pitts. Uh, he's one of my highlight players. I say look out for him. Um, but like, yeah. And he's he's finally coming back. He, you know, like, I guess in fantasy, he's been dropped off a little bit, but. He had a big game last. Um, he had a big game last week. Um, that I feel that their record should be one plus one game. I know you know what I'm talking about, and that has to do along with that um Tom Brady game. So we all know that any other quarterback never would have got that call. Um, but I feel like Atlanta's interesting. They're very exciting. They went, you know, with something new. Got rid of got rid of Maddie. Got rid of Maddie Ice because we all know he's. You know, but uh, I feel like Atlanta is a very fun, exciting team. Nice to watch. They just might dethrone the Bucks, yo. Because if I'm stopping and thinking about it, the Bucks. I don't think the Bucks are really going to do much this year. They might break 500, but like I don't see them doing much. If they do go to the playoffs, I see a first round exit if anything. But uh, I see that too for Atlanta, to be honest. But I do feel Atlanta is really exciting this year. I won't be scared of them though. Matt, I, I don't know if you remember when uh, we did our NFL picks in our group chat. Um, shout out Chubb Army. Uh, we did our NFL picks. I had the Atlanta Falcons second in that division and winning nine games, and I got clowned by everyone. Yes, and you what did. I, and, what and someone I said, kept receipts. What I said is that that defense is going to be very good this year. They haven't been as good as I thought they would, but, I mean, that's a pretty good defense. Yeah. And that Marcus Mariota would be great in that offense with Cordero, uh, Cordero Patterson. You have some all right weapons on the outside. I love Drake London. You have you have Pitts. And I said that was going to be a much better team than people thought in a weak division. And, well, it, yeah, solid. it looks like your, your, your cases might be heard especially. I think this was a real, real big win for them. And, again – on a gambling standpoint, they keep hitting the spread, and then that's always lovely. So, you know, really consider uh, betting on them moving forward. Desmond, no, I had them losing that game. Mm-hmm. Yo, the New England away. Patriots routed Cleveland. Zappy has a breakout game. 309 yards, couple touchdowns. Offense started slow, but they went full force, and Cleveland just couldn't keep it up. Patriots defense held Nick Chubb to just 12 rushes and 56 yards. Brissett throws a couple of picks as well. Are the Pats back after some tough early season losses? Hell no. Not as long as Mac Jones is throwing the ball. So, like, so you still think that Mac Jones, when he comes back, that they should, that he will uh, unlock the potential that I guess he was lacking in the first few weeks? No. Cat, like he's like three joints in a surfboard away from St. Cowabunga. That's how I feel like about Mac Jones. He's so laid back. Like he doesn't have that, like that like dog, that aggression that your starting quarterback should have as one, as a Justin Herbert or when it's game time, Derek Carr, like, you know what I'm saying? Like 
even Kenny Pickett is showing a bit more bite. Even Mitch Trubisky, they're only even though it's only press conferences, shows a bit more bite. Like what I'm saying is, Mac Jones lacks poise. You need a quarterback that's going to be poised in every situation. Do do this thing. While he had a good he had a good amount of plays last year, made the Pro Bowl. That's decent. Let's see if you can do that this year. Um, Patriots are going to the playoffs. Oh God. You can you can clip that one out for for a reel later. Throw it up on IG. You know I'll, I'll collect my check at the end of the year. Uh, <laughs> Patriots are going to the playoffs. Um, the Lions and the Browns got embarrassed by the Patriots the last two weeks. The Lions and the Browns are both top ten for points per game this year. They both have great offenses. They've been playing great all year. Patriots basically blanketed both teams and embarrassed them. Uh, the Patriots the next four games are against the Jets, the Colts, and the Jets and the Bears. Um, yeah, yeah, I got I got Patriots. In all four of them. Sorry, Jets fan. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, they got oh. they got to prove it to me. They got to prove it to me. Um, yeah, I think Patriots going to the playoffs. This is a good team. Bailey uh, Zappi. Yeah, I think he's playing better than Mac Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if they just kept him on as a starter. And Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, when healthy, are a great one-two punch in their backfield. Jacoby Myers is not a bad wide receiver. I should know I have him on my fantasy team. I think this team, they're not great, but they're above average. I like them. They're going to be one of the seven and going to the playoffs. No, they're average. Um, they're I, not going- I think the AFC East produces three playoff teams because I think the Patriots are also a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Jets fan who um, saw Brady take over for Bledsoe and absolutely dominate the division for almost 20 years, Bailey Zappi scares the shit out of me. Um, I mean, that it's a Bill Belichick defense also. I mean, it's always going to be good. Um, he finds people in late rounds, people he don't think are going to be great. Jack Jones, look at him. I mean, blanketing receivers, picking the ball off. Um, they're a scary team. I, I think they split with the Jets. This is something I've, I've said all year. I think they'll split. I think the Patriots will take theirs at home. Jets will take theirs at home. And uh, I think the AFC East will produce three playoff teams this year, including the Patriots. Y'all are overestimating and, the Patriots. And, and this was the game that ultimately showed that, hey, we are here to stay, you guys feel. Or at least it seems pretty split. That's why I'm getting in this panel. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not quite there definitively yet as as New England being a seven seed or even, you know, a higher playoff team as you guys are. Um, I think a lot had to do with, you know, um Chubb being held at 56 yards, which, you know, is, is, is a credit to the defense, but I think percent throwing two picks was hugely caught was really costly in this game. And, um, you know, I just, I, I just need to see more from, from, from this offense. I, I know that, you know, he's kind of had, you know, some of the shock value of being kind of the new kid on the block for this offense. But, um, you know, when the ground game's not working, it, it's, it's real it's really difficult to see this team flourishing. Yeah, that's a fact. Like, the, the fact of the matter is, you guys are completely overestimating the Patriots. Like, it's just, I'm just trying to figure it out. Like, they really don't have any super crazy offensive pieces that stand out. On defense, they got Matt Judon, and dude is a beast. Like, so I can understand him holding Nick Chubb and the, that run game holding Nick Chubb to 56 yards. Um, But... Outside of that, and then yeah, okay, Bailey Zappi. It's called an aberration. It's called a flash in a pan. Like I don't see much happening too much. 
like what what really stood out in that game about the Patriots. And then yeah, they they had great games against who? The Bears, the Jets. Come on. Like it's like, come on, like give me a serious team. And now, now that the Jets are on a roll and starting to click, you really think they're not they're not gonna take them? Like I I believe that the next time the Patriots See the Jets. The Jets will come out very victorious in that game. And I'm not saying that for you, Big Big Cavs. I'm saying that because I believe that is a fact. Like, that team is starting to roll defensively after what I saw in that last game. The Patriots, they're, they're, they're clicking. They're going back and forth. And if they do take out Zappi and put in Mac Jones, they're definitely not making nothing go happen. Like, it, you have to – I don't know. The, the, I just know well, for a fact you guys are overestimating the Patriots too. Well, no. I, I, Here's the thing, real quick, before we throw it to the floor. I don't think that – I'm not ruling them out as a playoff team. I'm just looking at the schedule, and it's kind of tough sledding because, I mean, Indianapolis game is a lot closer than people think. I'm a little higher on them coming off of a win. I think going Washington. to is a tough game. Going to Arizona is tough. You got the Buffalo game in New England, which is tough. And then you got to play Cincinnati, and you got Buffalo again at the end of the year. So I, I, those are just all really tough games. Seriously. And even though Cincinnati is a little eh, – like, I believe Cincinnati has a better chance of making the playoffs than New England does. That's just right. my option. All right. All right. So, um, anything the Browns, you know, they're four weeks away until getting their starting quarterback back. Um, even though Jacoby Brissett is, I don't think, living up to the expectations, especially taking advantage of how well Kareem Hunt and Chubb have been despite this past week. Um Browns still playing their very questionable year, having playing with their very questionable year. And I'll save them for my upset. All right. We'll, we'll go more into detail there. So Matt Ryan gets a huge touchdown to stand out rookie Alec Pierce with 17 seconds to go. And the Colts give the Jags another tough loss. Matt Ryan plays his best game of the year by far. Can he keep it up? And then for T-Law, he played well as well, almost going perfect, 20 for 22. A couple of rushing touchdowns, but the defense had a tough game at all. Travis Etnany, you know it's going to be a hard name for me to still practice. E-T-N. Those, those three E-T-N. letters, E-T right. and N. Perfect. Travis E-T-N. It looks <laughs> like he could be very explosive, but if he could yes. just hold on to that damn ball, it would be a huge difference maker. So a, a tale of two different teams both good, but, um, you know, still have their things to fix out. Let's focus first on Matt Ryan and the Colts. Do we think Matt Ryan, after a couple wins back-to-back, is it going to give him the confidence to move forward, especially with the rise of how well Al Pierce has been doing next to Pittman? I know um having issues with Jonathan Taylor staying on the field, but um, I think the Colts are interesting to talk about at the moment. Do you guys feel the same? No. You know what? No, I mean, no. Okay. I'm going to be real quick with my take here because uh, I got to be honest with you. I've had, I've had to have somewhat of an opinion about every team that we're talking about today. I got nothing on the Colts because I can't figure out who they are. Like they are so back and forth between playing great and then playing terrible, like being able to convert when they need to versus being not able to do anything at all. Like the defense plays great one week. They play terrible the next week. Like, do yeah. the Colts know who they are? Cause I can't figure it out watching them. And 
I'm going to say that I'm just going to go just, I'm just going to blank on this one and tell you guys, I think we just need to see more from the Colts because a couple of weeks ago, I was ready to call Matt Ryan a bust. And then he has his best game of the year. I guess team that he lost to 24 to nothing just four weeks ago. So, I mean, I I have no clue. I mean, if y'all feel more informed than me, I'm going to see the the floor to y'all on this one. Desmond, as you know, we've been in this for like what? Five weeks now? Six, but yeah. Six weeks? Okay, six weeks. (laughs) And it's been an even split with me picking these these (laughs) blues. So you know more often how I feel about if this is an interesting conversation. No. No, it's not. So I'm going to just keep it short and sweet. Tell me why. And the Colts. (laughs) You want to Yeah, little little hot take here. Um, Colts would have been better off with once. Facts. No, I agree. Facts. I agree. Colts, actually, Colts yeah. And the Commanders would have been better off with with uh with Matt Ryan. with a blind woman. Jeez. <laughs> oh, with Mr. Trubisky. Maybe. They almost made playoffs in year one last year, and you think about it, they add if the Colts add a wide receiver here, which they did Alec Pierce. They don't give up picks to get Matt Ryan. They don't trade away that cap space. They're in a better position with Carson Wentz in year two in the system than they are with Matt Ryan in year one. Where's JT? On the injury report. Okay. That's why they're trash right now. Jonathan Taylor is why they made the playoffs last year. I I mean, I watched every minute of that of that brutal Broncos Colts game a week ago. They the, and... they, wait, they didn't make the playoffs last year. So wait, we, he said they made the playoffs. Oh, Who was he talking about? Who? So they were close to the playoffs. Oh, yeah, they okay. lost because of the Wentz. <laughs> so, okay. Getting close to the playoffs was Jonathan Taylor. Them not doing anything right now is because Taylor's hurt. If Taylor was hurt, every pick that I picked the Colts for, I would have won on. That's a oh, fact. God. That's a fact because Matt Ryan, while he is wishy-washy, he still had the best offense in league history at one point. You have to give him that. Like, I don't know. I'm going to wait to see your picks this week then, Bars. We'll see if you get in the top 10 again. Mm-hmm. I, Bars, I know you're bullish on Matt Ryan's past, but that was an aberration year when the division was down and he had – all time, you know, he had he had two two powerhouse backs and a ton of receivers. I'm looking at the I'm looking at this game. I'm kind of along Desmond's lines. I don't know what the hell to make of the Colts because I was way bullish and bigger on the Colts. I had them like as a 12, 13 win team winning the division, running away because the Titans were having a down year. But this game, in my opinion, just saved their season only simply because they looked so bad the first five weeks of the season and I don't know what to make of them because one week they're a powerhouse running team and then the next week they're throwing it for 350 plus yards so I think like this game just merely saved their season but I still have no idea what to make of them this game did not save their season only two words their season Jonathan Taylor I'm done all right moving on with that and then Jacksonville I think the record play is uh not reflecting on the potential of that team do you feel the same way too I feel sorry for uh, Trevor Lawrence, to be honest. That's what I do. Uh, I won't lie to you. I feel sorry for Trevor Lawrence because this is supposed to be his, like, all right, guys, this is what I can do. And he started off good, then fell off. So 
So I'd like to I'd like to point out going into the 2021 NFL draft, a lot of people, everyone said that if the Jets got the first overall pick, Trevor Lawrence should go back to college. Shouldn't want to play for that trash, terrible organization. And then he went and played for Urban Meyer last year. And I mean, they're obviously looking better this year, but I mean, clearly I would say the Jets have a better culture and brighter future via the draft and, and their coaching staff. So everyone wanted to say, LOL Jets, you know, get Trevor Lawrence out of there. Don't let him go play there. But I think he's being wasted the way, you know, like people said, the Jets wasted talents for you. I, I think he's being wasted there. And I think unless, I mean, I love Doug Peterson as coach, but I think unless they can turn around with the talent there, I I don't see Trevor Lawrence truly turning it around to being what everyone thought he would be. Let the record show that it's not because he's a fan that that's accurate. It's because it's accurate that that's accurate. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to save my thoughts there. about the Jaguars for the end of the episode because they're going to be <laughs> featured in one of my uh, one of my picks. Oh, right. oh boy, New Orleans blows a late lead. Andy Dalton couldn't have them score in the final two position, two possessions. They really miss Olav, Landry, and Thomas. It looks like Andy Dalton also lost his starting job as a result of this game, and Jameis Winston is going to come back. Joe Burrow leads a big comeback on the road, connecting with Jamar Chase at the end. Bengals making the most of this one. I think this is a real tough pill to swallow for New Orleans, especially in this game. Credit to Cincinnati coming back to win, but damn, New Orleans, a a team that has been a roller coaster, to say the least. Oh, how do we feel about Andy Dalton screwing this one up? In typical Um, Andy Dalton fashion. Even though, like my, I said, he did not have his three best receivers, but it's still a tough one for him. My my advice to New Orleans is keep losing games. <laughs> Generational quarterback draft, lose some games, go get a quarterback. Your roster is built. I mean, you have a, a stout defense. You have Alvin Kamara. You have a good offensive line. Keep losing games. Let Taysom Hill start the rest of the year if you want to. Lose games. Yeah, they, I, I like this idea. Um because I got to agree. I'm looking at their schedule. The next like six or seven games, they're all brutal. I mean, they might lose all of them. Um, and honestly, if we were to be fair to Andy Dalton, though, for a second, if you tell me that Andy Dalton led offense is going to score 26 points and that you have a good defense, I'm taking that every single game. So the fact that the Saints lost this game at home, throw that on that Saints defense that's supposed to be so good against a struggling Cincinnati offense right now. Oh. Yes, because um, I'm telling you, 26 points with Andy Dalton at the helm at home with a good defense. You should win that game every time. The end. Did Lattimore get hurt? I'm not sure. I don't, I don't believe right, so. Look, no. Nah. Okay. Look, the problem here is that Saints defense, like Desmond said, so good. Like they should have never let that go down. It should have been a tighter. You know what I'm saying? Like. I'm not, I'm, it's just me, but I wouldn't have let that slide. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if I was, if I was Cam Jordan, I would have stepped up. I would have been trying to be more aggressive. Anybody, uh, Demario Davis, I don't want hard, bro. Listen, like, but listen, you got to give it to the Bengals. Like at the end of the day. Yeah. Bengals stepped up and made plays when they needed to. Um, Bengals are another team that I'm just not sure about this season. You know, on, on the theme, we're talking about what we do or do not know about teams. I have no idea what the Bengals are this year. They feel so up and down. I got the Bengals right now missing the playoffs. I would agree. 
Oh, for right. Wow. I got them making the playoffs. Y'all got them. Y'all got the New England making the playoffs. I got the Bengals making the playoffs. I think the Bengals just do not look cohesive. They are too inconsistent, and you can't be a playoff team in the stacked AFC if you can't be consistent week in and week out. And they don't have an easy schedule either. I'm not. I'm not as down on on them. I think this is more of a hangover year. I still have them cleaning up that division, but I definitely have concerns about Cincinnati and their cohesion, um, especially being playing from from behind in these games. You don't want to be in shootouts with a lot of teams, particularly with better quarterbacks than Andy Dalton. Um, I thought that Kamara had a tremendous bounce back game. He had 20 for 100 yards and, um, you know, and. And then New Orleans got to the quarterback. I mean, he had th- he had three sacks. Um, he had three sacks on the quarterback on Burrow, and they kept it pretty close. They actually won time of possession. There were there were um, eight of seventeen on on third down. New Orleans. I mean, I'm sorry. They um six. They were six of ten on on third down with Cincinnati. So like, um, you know, I for me it's just like with Cincinnati, they just need to they need to get back to. Um, uh, you know, playing with a lead and 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 keeping keeping these games under control because I feel like they're digging themselves out of holes they don't need to be put themselves in. It's definitely much easier to to play with the lead. I'll I'll give you that. That's a fact. And you got to look at it. You you just got to listen. You're just not gonna win seventeen to thirty two with one hundred and sixty two yards, bro. You're just not gonna win. Like it's just not gonna fucking happen. Like I don't know what to tell you. Like. Kamara, yeah, he had 19 carries, 99 yards. That's that's like five yards a carry from like Alvin Kamara, who's like a beast. Come on, like you got, you really got to look at it. They that defense allowed Joe Burrow to throw 100 yards though. Like it's just madness. Jamar Chase had two touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely clutch. Seven receptions for 132 yards. What are we doing out here? Like you gotta like I really feel like this was the game for the Bengals. To be like, all right, yeah, we've been winning, like, yeah, whatever, but we're three and three now. Like, they just, if they didn't win this game, they would have been bad below five, bad below five. Ah, they would have been below 500 bad. So it would have been like, you know what I'm saying? And then now they're playing catch up for the season. So this game right here was that game for the Bengals. It is like, yeah, we're still alive. We're still here. Jamar Chase. I'm still I'm still out here catching balls. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the game for that for me. Like you're not gonna win with 162 yards and 14 kick points. Like like 14 points off kicks, bro. Like you're just not gonna win unless you're t- unless you're fucking Tom Brady, bro. Like he's not winning. What a time! What a time! Right? The Rams get a much needed win. Panthers seem to still be in shambles even after their coach firing. I mean. The new coach fire literally ejected Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson gets traded to Arizona 24 hours later. Who else is leaving the Panthers at this point? We're going to see DJ Morgo probably, obviously Christian McCaffrey. I think this is a game. I mean, what else? What is, what is there to talk about the Rams? Obviously, they still have their wide receiver problems. They still have their line problems. Matt Stafford isn't playing like an all pro. So I don't think there's much really to elaborate on that. But for the Panthers, who are really turning into an absolute shitstorm of a franchise in all the sports, how embarrassing is this for the Panthers franchise where they're not even selling out their games anymore? It, it's not embarrassing if you really ask me. And to be honest, what? it's more embarrassing... It's not. It's the, it's the fucking Panthers. Like they haven't been good since they that since they 
flopped in the Super Bowl and no one's been, said anything about it. Christian McCaffrey's always freaking hurt. So it's like, what are we really going to do about that? And if anyone's really should be like ashamed or like be like, damn, what are we doing? It should be the Rams. You guys are the defending Super Bowl champions. You have offensive line issues and apparently you have wide receiver issues. You didn't fix those up. I don't know how it goes, but when you win, don't you get a little bit of money? Hey, listen, they need to solid that up. But losing losing a veteran on the offensive line is very huge. It's big. Like, And the veteran that they lost played for them for, like, fucking ever. So it's like you got to look at it like, like they have the most to lose right now, the Rams. But both teams are in desperate need of this win. And Baker Mayfield has a habit of getting head coaches fired. I'm just gonna leave that out there. Um, it looks like his his career definitely died in. Uh, so so Matthew and I actually had an argument about this uh, week and a half two weeks ago uh, with another friend of ours, Teddy. Um, my our friend Teddy and I believe that uh, Sean McVay is an overrated coach. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yes, um, he has. To. I agree. I I think he's been handed insane rosters every year and uh now he doesn't have the wide receiver arsenal that he's had in the past um he's lost uh offensive line and he doesn't have the run game that he has cam Akers isn't the same guy and um you look at it they're not winning games the same way without whitworth without whitworth <laughs> that without that old man bro y'all is getting like y'all i said y'all L.A. getting destroyed every time. Matthew Stafford is looking like a deer. He's looking like Carson Wentz after Carson Wentz came back from his injury. Like, which way did he go? Like, like barely getting the ball off sometimes. It's it's madness. Like, but what can you do? The man was aged. He's a veteran. He knew how to protect the quarterback. Now you have to pick from probably some young guys, rotate pieces, grab some guys who probably weren't even that good. Like, Ain't nobody letting go of the offensive line. Like, there are very few good offensive linemen that you stand out in the league. They're like, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody letting them go. So the LA LA got a problem this year. And like you said, Sean Sean McVay handed extremely good rosters. <laughs> and he's just been, they've been like, hey, play ball. And he's been to two Super Bowls. But aside outside of that. I think another issue is that, you know, if, if Stafford only plays another year or two, what's that team going to do? They have no first-round picks. They did go it, all in. You know, it, just going on hopes and dreams, I guess. Like Les Snead said, fuck them picks. Congratulations. You have, uh, what, Matt Stafford's in his mid to late 30s. Yeah, who, six. Who knows how long he's going to keep playing. And when he's gone – how are you going to get a quarterback? You're just going to you're going to bring someone in. You're going to trade some more picks for the rest of your future. I don't think McVay. I don't think McVay's there much longer. Um, I'm surprised. I actually thought that he might retire and go into broadcasting after the Super Bowl, which a lot of people you know thought he might do, because there's no future with that team. That team is almost completely completely aged veterans, and you have to hope that you can milk another Super Bowl run or two. Out of Matt Stafford in the next two to three years. Yeah, you guys are really I'll, down I'll the that. future of the Rams. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm gonna slide in here. You know, break up the wow. two person conversation real quick. Um, 
I don't know, man. As an Eagles fan, I waited my whole life to get that one Super Bowl. So, I mean, if you tell me that, like, you're going to mortgage your entire, you're going to mortgage your next, like, five years to get a Super Bowl, I'll take that every time. Like, if you told me, like, right now, like, we're going to sell out to get the Super Bowl this year, and then we get it, but we're going to suck the next four years, I'm taking it. I'm taking it easily. No problem whatsoever. So, I mean, like, and the NFL is the ultimate, like, rebuilder of franchises with the draft system, how it works. You know, parity is a big thing. So, yeah, you can blow up your whole team and then rebuild through the draft. Obviously, it's going to take longer for the Rams because they gave away so many of their picks, but they'll eventually be back. Yeah, they're not great right now. They're not. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, they, if you look at next-gen stats, for instance, they track, like, receivers' ability to get separation off the defenders, like, no one but Cooper Cup is actually in the top 25 in the league for them. I mean, Allen Robinson, in fact, is like one of the worst wide receivers in the league for actually getting separation from the person defending him. And, and then Skoranek is some dude you just met this year. Tyler Higby's never been a great tight end, but he's okay. He's just mid. And then Cam Akers is now leaving the team because he's not having any gelling with that offense. Plus, he's coming off an Achilles injury, which he's a running back. Come on now. So, I mean, like their whole team is just kind of whack right now. I mean, and, and they, they can't compete a in a top back. division. Yeah, the Rams are not good this year. The Rams will not make the playoffs this year. Um, no, I, I don't disagree with you because I would probably sell my firstborn for the Jets to win a Super Bowl. So I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with that take at all. What, what I'm just saying is that, A, I don't think McVay is this amazing genius that everyone claims he is. Uh, I still think he's a great coach. I just don't think he's, you know – the guy people say he is and be that, you know, in three years, this Rams franchise is going to be bad for a very long time. I'm talking jets bad for a while. I'm talking lions bad for a while. It's the fans don't like them now anyway. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter to them. I mean, well, how sad is it to be a Rams or a chargers player when you have to play 17 away games every year? I feel for these people. <laughs> what if well, like Desmond said, like I think like their whole heart, like the heart of their franchise is still in is, is still in St. Louis anyway. And I think that this this team in this league is really only built for a few years at a time. You know, even when you have the cards that da- um you know stacked in your favor. I think the only like testament of like a team that is kind of you know defying those odds in terms of longevity and how they're being able to stretch the maximum capacity is the Chiefs. And that's why they mortgaged Tyreek Hill out. They sold him out because they wanted the picks, they wanted to secure that offensive line and extend this friend this um um uh, this dynasty but the many of these teams aren't 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 built for that just with injuries and the transients of, of these contracts so and, and particularly la where you have to drum up support um for uh, a city that has so many other things going on so i think that with this team in particular you can only hope to squeeze maybe one more playoff run the deep playoff run to the super bowl but um yeah they don't look like they have a bright future and it's a lot because of the draft picks and the, you know, the injuries they've allocated with these older players. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of things. That's a really great point on the chiefs. The chiefs are doing a lot of what, um, what Bill Belichick did in new England Yeah, player gets super good, wants to get paid. All right. Ship them off for a first, second, whatever. And then go get someone in the draft who can replace him. Hopefully. And I, the, the chiefs are doing a great job of that. And that's a really good point on the why they're good year in and year out. Yeah. Right, right. So I think this was definitely a whimper of a game. Just two more matchups to go. Not that was my whimper. <laughs> there, yes, it was. So not a lot of score and miss pet miss points after uh 
Sorry. Point after yeah. touchdowns. Yes, miss extra points, lots of penalties, yet the Seahawks win another one. Geno doesn't throw a touchdown but keeps the Seahawks in it. Walker has another standout game and a game-winning touchdown. Again, Desmond, you gave him praise last week. They lose <laughs> Hollywood Brown, uh, but next week Arizona gets both DeAndre Hopkins and Robbie Anderson now in the trade with Carolina. So I think uh, this Kyler Murray debate was a little earlier than it needed to be. But if you need to bring it now um, – I think first with these two matchups, is Arizona going to be significantly improving after another embarrassing loss? But now you end, now you add DeAndre Hopkins, who if he's as good as he used to be in Houston, you know, he had an up and down year last year in his first year in Arizona. But if he's DeAndre Hopkins and, and Robbie Anderson was what he was like on the Jets toward the end of his Jets career, can this salvage and make Kyler Murray look good? Hey, can it make the Arizona Cardinals competitive? Uh, my first question is, how many weekends for the rest of the year does Call of Duty have double XP? <laughs> um, I heard about this. Yeah, no, I've and, heard about this too. I think it's 2-42 and 42 on weekends that have double XP. Man. Yeah, it's wild. Like That's, I mean, that's what so is wild. That? And I mean, Modern, the new, uh, there, or I don't it's know coming if they out did next Modern week. Warfare 2 or whatever, it's coming out now. Um, they had to put a, a clause in his contract for him to watch film. I mean, and it's really affected him, huh? Ky- Kyler Murray is that guy. He's Jamarcus Russell, who's been good. I mean, that's that's what I can say. Guy who doesn't care about football. He's not watching film clearly. He's not doing the right things. And the only reason he's winning and gets wins is because his athleticism and his natural talent bails him out a lot. And I, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is a good coach either. I think this was a marriage destined to fail. And uh, I, I think Arizona's going to end up blowing it up in a year or two here. With They're going to get rid of Kingsbury. They're going to give Kyler one year with another coach. And if he doesn't do it, Kyler's gone. Kingsbury's a bum. Kyler, Kyler Murray's definitely overrated. Um, anyone who, who takes their side job more seriously than their real job, should like mm. not be considered like you know <laughs> professional. It's just what it is. Like Kyler Murray lacks that. He he lacks the professionalism that it takes to be a quarterback. Like if you have to, if it like if it has to be in your contract to fucking do your job, then we got a problem, bro. And if, and if people gotta come out and bitch about it, we definitely got a problem because like obviously Kyler Murray was like hey Call of Duty is more important than studying on the other than you know studying on my Sunday night game like or or my Sunday like or my Monday or my Thursday it, I don't understand what goes on through his head but it is what it is well, I, I know that was a concern going into the draft too, because like he 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 was he he told everybody in the media that he wanted to play baseball first and foremost. So I think like a lot of his focus was already bifurcated from the from the get go. And I think like you guys are all spot on about echoing the same point that Kyler seems to be only about halfway in, like one foot in the pool. So I think that after this year, whether they make the playoffs or not, backing into the seventh seed, I think that they're going to pull back and they're going to have an assessment of Kingsbury first, and then they're going to have um, a one year of 
holding Kyler's uh, feet to the fire with a new coach. And it's going to be up to him to, you know, seal his fate, you know, in the coming year to see how this team goes. But I think in the meantime, I'm not selling my stock on Arizona because I think that they're only as good. Their ceiling is the seventh seed in the NFC in a weak NFC. But I think that D hop and Robbie Anderson will help that offense gel a little better. And I think that they have a a few favorable games going ahead, going forward. The only reason Uh, that Kyler Murray's not playing baseball right now is a $25 million signing bonus as the number one overall pick. And if Aaron judge gets a $300 million contract, and Kyler Murray doesn't play well and gets traded from Arizona, gets cut, whatever, I could see him going to baseball. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, he definitely has um, time to do it. I, I, I believe that I believe that they probably get rid of Kyler before they get rid of Kingsbury. But win or lose, Kingsbury's that's just I it. think the Cardinals are the worst team in this division. I do not see them making the playoffs. As someone who lives out here in the West, I watch a who lot of Cardinals games on, on national TV. And, I mean, I have Zach Ertz on my fantasy team, and it feels like he only throws to Zach Ertz. Like all, and this is the team that had Hollywood Brown on the team up until this week when he got injured. I know DeAndre Hawkins is about to come back in, but my point I'm trying to make is that Kyler doesn't really go through progressions. Like what you were saying, Kev, he just relies on his, on his athleticism. You know, he's just running around the pocket – and I don't think he's really kind of like going through and trying to like manipulate the defense with his eyes or trying to like work through the different receivers who might be open. I don't think he knows the plays that well. I know he's that we playing college ball co- in the pros. Yeah, I think we want to blame the coach, and I'm sure the coach isn't that great. But Kyler on the field does not look like a quarterback who you can say like, yeah, that guy's winning a Super Bowl. I mean, he's got a lot of talent, so a lot of teams will keep giving him chances, but he's not elite, and I don't think the Cardinals are going to be elite. I don't see the Cardinals even making the playoffs this year. I think the Seahawks, the Niners, and even the Rams are all better than the Cardinals are. Man, remember you know, the Smith, Cardinals started 8-0? They started 8-0. Well, I don't even... I don't even I don't even think truthfully a lot of teams I think if, if they're gonna if they're gonna move off of, of, of Kyler if Arizona's gonna move off them I think he only has one move which is to go to baseball because truthfully I don't think a lot of teams are are buying what he's selling because he's already an undersized guy he's had injury history and um, truthfully he can't lead a team because he doesn't show commitment so yeah what, yeah. what, what coach wants that. Right, exactly. There's Why? always one fool out asses. there, and you, you, yeah, you there's always no one guy. You don't need bro, to be a crazy leader in baseball. Bro. Just go out and hit the ball. I mean, Carson Wentz has got three jobs now, so I mean, yeah, like, let's let's not lie man, about teams willing to take a chance but on somebody. Carson Wentz is always has hard. He's always been a leader. That's that's the difference. You know, the I'll NFL tell, values I, talent over everything. Though. Yo, I I don't always agree with that. I mean, I mean, talented guys are always going to get a second shot. That I agree with, but. There's always a spot for a guy on a team, whether it's as a backup. A locker room guy is always going to find a spot. That's a fact. A I mean, you say that, room. but Antonio Brown keeps coming back to the NFL, and we know who he is. Where is well, he at? Again, I, I said the, the, the talented guys are going to get another shot, but there's yeah. always a spot. There's always a, a better spot for you if you're if you're a locker room guy, I think. Yeah, no, that's – yeah. There you and, go. And final, final thought on this and one more matchup. Best question of the night, Matt. Like, legit. Like, I agree with Desmond. I agree with Alex. Like, but honestly, I wouldn't get rid of. I wouldn't get rid of King right away. Yeah, he's subpar, but I'm not gonna get rid of my head coach for a guy who's got one foot on. You know, 
what what's the play. sell what's the sell on Kingsbury? What does he offer besides Kyler? There's nothing. <laughs> nothing. But what does Kyler offer? What no, but he had a shitty but he had a shitty college record too. He has nothing to he has nothing to sell. He has he a hot homes. That's it. Hey, yeah, so I mean him having a job case. in like you know, the enemy and people like Leslie Frazier not having jobs. That's that's an indictment hey. on the NFL. Bro, Lovey Smith has been jobless for God knows how long. Well, he has All a right. job now. Well, now he's back. Where is he? Where is he? He's <laughs> coaching the Texans. Oh, I, y'all, bro, I didn't know. I didn't know. He, just, it was Coward. just this year. But, yeah, <laughs> Lovey Smith was jobless for never. They for gave t- Kingsbury that job over there in the Cardinals. They gave McVay the job over there in L.A. Listen. All I'm saying is, like, probably get rid of them both at the same time. Then fuck it. <laughs> like, or they know. have to lose. Remember, they. If I'm hiring yeah. a coach. I'm hiring Dion Jackson or Dion Sanders. I'm sorry. Sanders. Hell, Hell yeah. Hell Good yeah. sixty minutes story. If you saw that this week. Yeah. Oh, that was great. All right, final matchup, guys. Monday night. Broncos and the Chargers. Chargers winning overtime. Herbert, <laughs> aka her bum. Throws 57 passes, now Whoa. one touchdown, and that's actually a record in the NFL. Broncos seem to legit be the laughing stock of the NFL, and there are teams record-wise that are worse than them. Nathaniel Hackett looks like a lost puppy out there. But Chargers still winning, but it's still frustrating for them. Really missing out on Keenan Allen, but it really seems like when I was watching it, that it was just Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler against everybody else. Would have been nice maybe on the salty gambler side if I just needed one touchdown from Mike Williams, but that's for another day. But either or, Chargers still winning, but I still think that they still have some holes. And then, like I said, you're at the point where Russell Wilson's legacy is on the line at this point with how bad the Broncos have been. What's what's more fascinating to you, how the Chargers been playing out or the Broncos truly being the laughing stock across all sports? I want to start I want to start this one off really quick. Yes, sir. Um, first of all, I want to give props to you. You said this was the last game we're talking about, mm-hmm. which tells me that we're not talking about the Commanders and Bears game. Shout out to you, the host, for making for giving us that grace to skip over that game. Well, yes, uh, that was intentional, actually. And I mean, yeah, because that game was atrocious. So thank you for that one. <laughs> uh, th- this game was also atrocious. Yeah. And can we just let go of what Russell Wilson used to be and just accept him for who he is now? And that, that's, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, people think this might affect his Hall of Fame legacy at this point. I mean, all questions are valid while you're still in the league. And the Chargers look like a team whose offense is struggling due to lots of injuries. And the Broncos are an offense who is struggling because their quarterback just cannot seem to run this offense. And that's not a sentence you should be able to say about a guy who's getting paid $250 million. The Broncos got fleeced. Dun, 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 dun. I think they need to just accept yeah. it. And yeah. they either need to find a new coach immediately who can yeah. adapt to the fact that Russell Wilson is on a major decline or they need to get rid of Russell Wilson. Well, it, it, it just came out. Uh, it, I actually, an hour ago, I was watching the Pat, well, I guess three hours ago now, but Pat McAfee show. And uh, they're talking with Sherman. They're talking with uh, Marshawn Lynch. And basically they said Russ's team, not even him, his team would come in, team three, and would say, Russ doesn't want to run these plays. And they would, and, and Carol would cut plays from the playbook. 
And his his teammates couldn't even get a hold of him. Didn't have his personal phone number. They had yeah, to call saw- Team Three to get a hold of him. They hate him. That it, none of them liked him. Russ Russ yeah, was no, horrible did. in the locker room, and he was able to you know cut plays that that were working that they ran well. He was able to cut them because he didn't like running them. And Pete Carroll is the only reason that that team did anything. Russell Wilson and and Pete Carroll literally cut ties with Russell Wilson, knowing this, knowing what Russ was going to do somewhere else and knowing that he could go out and win games with Geno Smith. And I think Pete Carroll is a genius and uh, Russ is cooking up some, some garbage food right now there in, in Denver. And I don't NFL think it's Nathaniel Hackett like killing him. And I'm loving every minute of it. I mm. do not think it's Nathaniel Hackett. And I think you're right. The, the Broncos got absolutely fleeced. I think Hackett's could be a good coach in the NFL still. Listen. The Broncos got fucking fleeced. Like <laughs> Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman has come out on record several times stating how bad a quarterback Russell Wilson is several times. First of all, I'm running that ball in that Super Bowl. Ain't no way I'm the ball. <laughs> Ain't no way. Like, with bars. <laughs> like, that's it. That's it. Second of all, we're just gonna look at this. Uh Matt, the fact that we both needed Mike Williams just to score. Man, that's what we sign up for. It hurts right here. Um, and Herbert was like twenty some yards short of what I needed him for my parlay. <laughs> yeah, for my parlay. So like we're it's just I love fault. Herbert. Yeah, it is. But that defense, Pax or Tan, I was talking to my coworker, Pax or Tan, and um I forget who the other guy is over there, but they did their job. They held Mike Williams down. Like they really did. Um, Broncos have a good defense. I mean, Bradley they prove that every week. Here. Like, bro, well, except for those, here. except for those corners, because they had ten penalties for 150 yards. Um, <laughs> I thought, I, th- I thought truthfully, like, no, I mean, I, I, I mean that sincerely. Like, I think the Denver defense actually is really good. I think they have, um, um, a great, you know, like mid secondary and front four. I think that they just have a, a few, a few miscues to clean up with the, with their, with their corners, but. I thought this game was like you know really like really exciting like beginning to end. I thought that the Chargers defense was do- uh, dominant early. They had four sacks for the game on on Russell, and I think that if it wasn't for those penalties, I think Denver would have had a shot to win this game. But I can't refute anything you guys said about the frustrations along with uh, with Russell. I had uh, far higher hopes. I was definitely duped in that camp, thinking that this team was going to be a little better. Now, with that being said, I thought they were going to be more of a run-heavy offense, but they lost their running back a few weeks back. So I definitely want to, you know, have that caveat in my in my pocket. But, um, but I think that you know it's just going to take more time for this team to to gel and 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 get right. And I think that, like Kevin said, I think Nathaniel Hackett could coach. I think he's got to be able to kind of um, have you know, a few weeks to just, you know, get this under control and, and be able to pivot. I don't uh, think Russ is done yet. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I don't think Russ is done yet. Um, I think he's got a little bit more in the tank. Like he said, it's got to it's got to keep grinding. This game, they were actually leading for most of it. So you, you kind of got to look at that. Like Russ had a nice push down the field, though they didn't score, uh, to but, but to take the lead right before halftime. So you got to look at it like they can click when they're clicking, but yeah, Russ maybe just not be it over there. He just may not. I have a, I have two points to make. The first one is uh, another 
uh, Matthew, another one that I got uh, mm-hmm. roasted for in our uh, in our group chat was I had Denver at seven and ten and the worst team in that division uh, going into the year. And uh, the other thing, Staley is not it in in LA. Staley's not the guy. I mean, yeah. I know we're what weird we're play calling on, that guy has. on the Broncos a lot, yeah. but Staley is not the guy. I mean, you have you have a very talented team. And the decisions you're making are putting them in in bad go. spots, and I think I think Staley's got to go. I agree. I'm going to make one hot take for for the record before we close this out. Uh, the Broncos will not win more than three more games for the remainder of the season. Wow! They will not have more than five wins when this season wow. is over. I clip that. We'll come back later in the season. We'll see if you can duck <laughs> on me or not. But I'm going to take that right you know now. I'm put money on that. Well, I mean, they're going to get blown out next week, so you know I want to put money on. Yeah. I mean, if you want to put money on it, you can. I'm calling it right now. They will not have more than five wins at the end of the season. I'm ready to say it right now. Seven wins. Excellent, That's all takes, I'm doing guys. Seven wins. Before we get the picks, I do think there's this one quick story that has to be addressed. The NFL owners meeting was today. And there was a lot of drama taking place that could affect the future. I guess the one thing it was reported that Dan Snyder, the owner of the commanders, allegedly, if was forced to force the, if he was forced out and this and was forced to sell the commanders, he was going to throw a lot of dirt on a lot of NFL, which quite frankly, probably is true. You know, these people, high places, they know stuff. So I didn't doubt this story. However, just reported an hour ago that the commanders, Dan Snyder, sent the NFL owners a letter denying the damning report of defiance and threats to the rest of the league. You can read it it if you want. I won't repeat it, even though it's short and brief. But, you know, this is a real unique PR battle. I think it's fair to say that the commanders ownership is going to change hands within a few years, don't you think? And do you? And um, just one quick, yes. and I definitely want to hear your point. Yes. And then after the fact, is he telling the truth? Is he just doing this for PR as a letter, or is he going to still let dirt out one way or the other? Kevin, that, let's start with this one. That letter came out 12 hours after a report came out that Jim Yersay said, hmm. Dan Snyder needs to go, and I think we have the votes. Exactly. He was the first owner to actually acknowledge to get rid of him. and and in owner in, of the Colts to the media to the media this morning he said Dan Snyder needs to go. I think we need to force him to sell, and I think we may have the votes. All right. How about I want to make then, a really quick point about this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to really, really smallly interject this with uh, with politics a little bit. Uh, the people who own these NFL teams, they are like 30 of the richest people in the country. Right. Politicians won't even mess with them. You know what I'm saying? Like these dudes own the whole country and one dude thinks he's going to mess with 30 other people and their money and their reputations and like their, and their political standings here in America. That ain't happening. Like the 30 of them ain't letting that happen. And so he's going to take his like three or $4 billion he's going to get from selling the team and just go away quietly before they fuck him up. Let me tell you something. He's already out there. That's why they're trying to get rid of him. You're looking at a man with nothing to lose. He's got nothing to lose. He said, I'm about to air y'all boys out. He said, he said, go ahead, play me. 
try to kick me out. And I mean, you know, with these these billionaires, you know what they own, right? They own everything. It's like they're like, yeah. please. But what does you know, Dan Myers own? That's what we need to figure out. Once we find yeah. out, once we figure out what he owns, then you then you figure out what the type of leverage he has, the type of pull he got. First of all, I do believe he has some kind of dirt on them. And I do believe sooner or later it will come out. These and if it did come out, it'd be a massive mistake because he'd be hunted by 30 of the most powerful people in the country. I'd like, just, <laughs> just go away he'd, now. He'd end up with Jimmy Hoffa. Don't ever forget that he was amongst <laughs> them. He should just take his money and just like go into retirement don't and don't forget. do anything stupid. Don't ever forget he's amongst that 30. He's, he got he's, money too. Like, don't ever forget that. The question is, which one of them is he richer than? That's the question. None of and, them. Those are the ones that those ball. are the ones too. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they came to the I, I heard everything he said. They came to a deal. Uh, a deal was made. They're like, you can stay a deal, you can stay the owner for now, but we're gonna take you out. Washington's trying to build a new stadium right now. And Arthur Blank is the owner of Home Depot. He could probably go to him right now and be like, listen, I'm not giving you any wood to build this new stadium, bro. You need to get the fuck out. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> right? They're like, yeah, we'll give you a new stadium. If you step down, my man, and we'll build it for free. I guarantee you they're making deals right now. Listen, the only reason he would say that and then recant his statement is because the deal was made. Uh Oh, yeah. Think about it. Let's get legal on it. That's going to be a cool story to to see. And then if you care, definitely talked about protected quarterbacks and officiating issues. And apparently Jerry Jones and Robert Kraft had a little scuffle. Don't fuck with me, Jerry Jones told Robert Kraft in today's meetings. For the second time in five years, more issues about the compensation for Goodell. I mean, I have to do more research on that, but... They better uh, chill out. Is that confirmed? No, this is a Twitter... This is... I Well, this is a, from ESPN, from Seth Wixer, Sam. Um, reported just... Reported just about an hour ago. Um, that... Jerry Jones told Robert Kraft not to fuck with him. Yeah. And this From was like over, a reliable sort. That's crazy. This is reported Jerry. on ESPN right here. And it was over Roger Goodell's contract discussion. Listen, Jerry better chill out because Robert Kraft owns one fifth of the food distribution. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Jones is the oil guy. Wow. <laughs> That's a good for one. shortages happen in his area. Oh yeah, see, see listen, listen, Jerry, jo- like like Matt said, Jerry Jones owns the oil, so he can't, he can't run his trucks, can't run any of his uh, machinery without that oil. So <laughs> there you go. Those are oh, two man. powerhouses that Dan Myers don't want to get involved with. There we go. Man, I love a good rich people drive. All right, gentlemen, um, let's do these picks real quick: upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. Um, I explained to you, Kevin, how it works. Bars as well. Pick your upset of the week and a quick explanation. Make it funny. Um, I'll throw it to Desmond to start it off because he did it last week. You're going to make me go first? Okay. What are we doing? Upsets, whimpers, or or which one are we doing first? Start with the upsets. All right. I'm going to go two then. Uh, I did two last week. I'm doing two this week. I'm going to keep a train going here. Uh, The Lions will beat the Cowboys this week. Ooh, I like that upset. That's All right. Serious. And I also have the Jaguars beating the Giants this week. Hey, hey, same here, same here. Uh, well, I just have the Jaguars beating the Giants, and they're gonna de- definitely take that. Mm-hmm. O- o- um, definitely take the underdog on that one. Jags opened his favorites, though. 
Yeah, but I'm looking at two and four team versus a five and oh, one yeah. team. That that that's in my mind that's an upset. Oh, I got um I got Cleveland going into Baltimore and taking a win off of uh, the Ravens. I think that they're in a in a slump right now and they got a lot of shit to figure out. I think Cleveland's playing with house money and uh, they're gonna run it down their throat. I um, also have I also have Cleveland going into Baltimore and taking a win. Uh, I think. Chubb's going to run angry. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at a 120, 130-yard game from him, and I, I think uh, Cleveland goes in there, and and I think that uh, that AFC North is going to keep getting murkier and murkier. Yeah, 100%. Can I just, just go on record saying this is the shittiest schedules of all NFL seasons because – I'm just, I'm just, I'm just looking at these games: Texans, Raiders. Yes, week seven is a tough week. Lots of wins. It's gonna be great for pickums. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> all right, I all can't right. wait. Make I'm my a, picks uh, tonight. I'm gonna pick the craziest upset of them all: Panthers, Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's hilarious. And I, do like they even Desmond, have a quarterback? <laughs> like no, Desmond? what's that? I, I don't think so. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. They haven't announced yet. Because like I mean, I'm a I'm a train guy, so I, you know I'm a I'm a double it up too, right? All right, hey, you know it's a division game. You never know. Division I mean, games are unpredictable. Go, yeah, I'm gonna go with Bears, Patriots, and I'm gonna say that the Bears are gonna um, stifle that um, Patriots defense um, offense. Uh, that, yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. Those are my up. And then, well, I need I need a hoop. I need a I need a thriller. Yeah, well, I'll, I think we're, I'll, we're I'll doing them all that. in a row. Yeah, exactly. But Kevin, did you have one last point? At yeah, because uh, Baker's hurt, right? Yep. Yeah. PJ Walker's hurt. Yep. Is is Sam Darnold off the IR yet? Not nah. officially. I think Christian is throwing the ball. Matt Corral. Do they have anyone to play quarterback for them this week? Whoever played last week. Wait, I mean, they didn't have wait. Baker Mayfield last week either. Wait. Are we all going to forget when the Broncos had no quarterback and Melvin Gordon was quarterback? Oh, no, it was, it was the wide receiver. Oh, it was a wide receiver, um, but... But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have someone who can play quarterback for him, but that is... That's a bold pick there with no quarterback. Okay, exactly. the Bucks last week was a bolt. Matter of fact, but, that's my yeah. thriller upset. That's my thriller upset right there. Oh, just... What a combo! All right, for the Wimpers, this is who you, which game you think is gonna suck? And I think definitely Week Seven has a lot of them. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll start with Desmond on this one. Yeah, uh, Sunday night game, Steelers Dolphins. It's gonna be trash. Oh, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it nice and sweet this week. I'm not gonna go into super analysis. I know that we've already been here for a minute, but um, yeah, Steelers Dolphins will be a trash game. Neither team will score twenty points. We'll go with the under on that. Packers over the Commanders Ouch. with the uh, Packers laying the points at five and a half. I think for t- for one team that can't get out of their own way and another team who's trying to get out of their own way, um, I think it's a funny combination. And imagine if Taylor Heineke comes in and beats Aaron Rodgers and and all he- and he re- announces his retirement in the middle of the season. Aaron Rodgers, I, admit I was high on him, and um, it looks like that's an inaccurate prediction. He'll he'll be hosting Jeopardy by week ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a joke! Yeah, okay. What a joke! Um, I have okay. Titans Colts. <laughs> oh my god! At two and a I, half. I I think that game is going to be unwatchable. 
<laughs> I think I think they're I think it's gonna be I don't I don't know Taylor's not back is he? No, no not yet. I don't think still so. Still not no. back. So it's it's gonna be Naeem Hines versus Derrick Henry, and they're gonna score like 15 total points the whole game, and it's it's just going to be unwatchable football. That's I'm actually I'm taking the the the, Bear, the Bears Patriots game. Um, I think it'll probably just be like a lopsided coaching battle, but it's going to be a shitty game. <laughs> That's Broncos. That's Broncos are gonna suck bars. <laughs> I mean, are there I was, was going to pick that to be honest with you. Jets are going to put up 40 <laughs> points on the Broncos because the Broncos have a good defense, so they're going to keep the Jets' offense in check, and then the Broncos the can't have, score. So the Bron- I mean, exactly, even it's going to be like a 17 to 16, or like or like nine to six, or it's going to be one of those. Jets are going to blow know, them out. I think bro. you guys are, are bugging here. Bro, find, hey, just, no, keep bro. receipts because we'll talk about it in the next episode. Bro, we're talking about these picks, but let me just read off these games, man. Same hey, we're good bars on that. They no, they, man, you, you try to read off the roster early. You get, no, we're good yeah. on that. All right, last one. Which games of this messy schedule? Which one do you think will be a thriller? I actually, um, oh, sorry, you go with this one, Desmond. Which game's going to be special? Falcons, Bengals. Okay, hundred yeah. percent. I think that's going to be the high-scoring game. I think both teams score more than 24. I'm, I'm thinking like a 31-27 type of a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take uh, Kansas City-San Francisco. Ooh, I, think that's, I was thinking about that. Yeah, I think it's going to be similar. I think it's going to be kind of a shootout, and uh, it'll probably come down to one or two big defensive plays at the end of the game. Giants-Jags, baby. <laughs> Good oh, okay. one. Okay, all right. Lions, Cowboys. I was gonna say that <laughs> one in four Lions versus the four bad two Cowboys. Listen, that's not Cowboy, you you have. I, I'm not sure they're gonna rush Dak back, but uh, you have you have good offenses on both sides. I mean, if the Lions and you have the Lions as your upset, if the Lions can beat that that Cowboys defense, it could be you know a 25 to or 24 to 30 game, something like that. I mean. I love that. And you have DeAndre Swift back. You have Amon Ross and Brown back. And that offense has been humming and the defense has sucked. So I, I think that could be a very high scoring game. I wow. love Amon Ross A. Brown. Like, I yeah, love this guy. I dra- I dra- he he is him in the great. Round. He is great. I'm all like out. I, <laughs> I, I got Amon Ra in the fifth and I got Jalen Hurts in the seventh. Bro, if we still had Big Ben and Big Ben playing in like optimal Big Ben. Like y'all would be saying the same thing. Pickens, Pickens is like right I now. Love, I love NFL Young Boy. Oh man, me. That's too. my dude, like Sue. All right, gentlemen. I know it was a long one. Thank you for your patience with it. A lot of fun as always, and um, we'll come up with some cool ideas to make it even more entertaining for next week. So that's Desmond Price, Alex Ranillo, Bars the God, Kevin Schaefer. Thank you, gentlemen. I'll see you in a week. Let's have some good football. I wait, um, one, guys. wait, wait, wait. One more thing. What? It's always good to hang out with y'all boys, man. It's been a while since I've been here. Um, thank y'all for having me. I know I showed up a little late. Thank you guys. Alex, it's always a pleasure. Desmond, you know it's a pleasure. It's nice meeting you, Big Kev. Nice to meet you. Matt, thank you. Much love, guys. Enjoy baseball this weekend, too. See ya. It was a good conversation and productive conversation.
Bravo, gentlemen. Bravo. Good job on your analysis, your stories, the laughs, and everything in between. So, as promised, for the first time ever, we're going to introduce to you our new segment, Russ's Ramblings. Four college football picks, four NFL picks, plus a survival pick. And let's see what Ramblin' Russ can do for us. Here we go, Russ. It's your turn. Here is week seven of Russ's Ramblings. Let's get to it. Good afternoon, sports fans, and welcome to Russ Ramblin's picks for week number seven in the NFL and college football week as well coming up right now real quickly. Remember, for all your insurance needs, check out Farmers.com, the Miller Agency, 203-223-1561. That's your two-second advertisement. Here we go, folks, for a... College football Saturday, we have, in college football, we have Cincinnati Bearcats playing the SMU Mustangs. Cincinnati comes in as a three-point favorite in this game. We expect Cincinnati to win this game easily. Cincinnati minus the three for game number one. Game number two, we go to Clemson, where two undefeated teams go at it, two ranked teams. Syracuse goes on the road in this spot, and we look for a Clemson route. Clemson is in another league from Syracuse. We like Clemson minus the 13 and a half to blow out the Syracuse Orange. They're almost begging you to take the two touchdowns uh, with the Syracuse Orangemen, but we're going to take Clemson minus 13 and a half. We go to Baylor Stadium where the Baylor Bears host the Kansas Jayhawks. The Jayhawks come in with a loss, but they also come in very, very good as an underdog in this ball game, folks. Very good against the spread. We like Kansas plus the eight points. I've been on them all year. I'm staying with them. Kansas plus eight over Baylor. Continuing with the same theme of an underdog going on the road, taking on a favored Oregon team in the Pac-10, Pac-12, I should say. UCLA plus the six against Oregon. So the four plays for the college football week, Cincinnati minus three, Clemson minus 13 and a half, Kansas plus eight, UCLA plus six. And if I had to give you an upset between Kansas or UCLA, I think Kansas pulls off the upset at Baylor in a high-scoring game. And in the NFL... We turn to the NFL in week number seven already. Week number seven. These game, these weeks go by fast and faster. And if you're a New York football fan, they're going by really fast this year because we have two good football teams playing in New York at MetLife Stadium in the Meadowlands. We have the Giants plus the three against the Jaguars. That's your game number one pick. Game number two pick, the Jets plus the three against Denver. Both teams on the road. Both teams getting three points. Both teams stay hot. Both teams win outright. Giants plus three. Jets plus three. Then we have the Titans hosting off a bye week, hosting the Indianapolis Colts, who got by Jacksonville last week at home. Now they travel to Tennessee and take on a Titans team looking to win that game and take back control of that division. Tennessee minus the two and a half. And finally, in game four, we have the San Francisco 49ers at home against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs coming off a very, very disturbing loss to the Buffalo Bills. However, 
The 49ers are banged up here. This is more of an anti-49er pick than a Kansas City pick. But I'm going to take the Chiefs, lay the three points, only three points, against the 49ers on the road. So the Chiefs minus three, Titans minus two and a half, Giants plus three, Jets plus three. A lot of close lines. I don't see these games being that close, unlike the Titans, Giants, Chiefs, and Jets in week number seven. And finally, for your survivor picks, for those of you still alive like I am in mine, I'm going with either the Ravens at home over Cleveland or the Patriots at home over the Bears. And in another one that if you have the Buccaneers available, you may take them over Carolina. So those are your three survivor picks. Ravens over Cleveland, Patriots over Bears. Tampa Bay Bucks over Carolina. My pick's probably going to be the Patriots over the Bears, although my uh, sources are telling me you're better off taking the Ravens over Cleveland because they're going to be hungry after their loss, but the Patriots are just playing too well right now. Belichick has an extra day to get ready for the Bears, but... Don't forget, the Patriots do have the Jets coming up in Week 8. They may be looking ahead to their division rival. So there you have it. Those are your picks for your show. Wish you all good luck. Play responsibly. Have a great day. How about that? Ramblin' Russ Miller, thank you for your contributions. We look forward to your picks next week. All right. So... That will complete our NFL coverage for week six. We look ahead to week seven, and it was a meaty one. It was very, very meaty indeed, and that will lead to some changes, I think. No doubt positive ones, but uh, we're always learning out here, so... um interesting stuff for today but regardless thank you for all of you who checked us out today the productive nation is the greatest fan base in the world and i love each and every single one of you don't forget to check out our mlb coverage which will also drop today wednesday october 19th you know a perfect time for the yankees to win yesterday on october 18th on tuesday night it was a thriller and me and alex young are going to break down the alcs for you the nlcs and we celebrate the yankees winning a hell of a division series then on friday we're going to drop you another podcast this time previewing the nba season and then starting next week we're going to get back into a groove with other non-sports podcasts you know like i said this podcast is productive conversations and we do talk about sports a lot but we also talk about entertainment news and culture those are the four main subjects while also interviewing people from all walks of life we will return to those roots within the next couple of weeks. In fact, as early as next week, we'll have a regular productive conversation. But for those of you who love our sports content, thank you very much. It means a lot. And don't worry, we're going to continue to have great sports coverage, of course. But I also just want to mention that we will get to our other content as well for those who like other things besides sports. And we can also explore what it's like to have other productive conversations with other people talking about other various subjects and so on and so forth but like i said the four main pillars are sports news entertainment and culture october is no doubt the most popular month when it comes to sports where all four major league sports are playing at one time and which includes a postseason for one of them and you know other sports that are taking place but also 
We'll talk about other things because this show is truly for everyone. And the whole main idea of this podcast was that you could be productive with every kind of person from all walks of life. And as tomorrow is our second anniversary, the show dropped October 20th, 2020. I think we started that goal successfully and we are only going up with many more years of great content, hard work, and entertaining and inspiring you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, the audience of the Productive Conversations podcast. So I just wanted to clear some things there. We will see you at the end of the week with an NBA show. Then after that, we'll do some regular Productive Conversations with people who are not in sports, and we explore what else is out there. So with that, My name is Matt Brown. I'm the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you, Desmond Price, Bars the God, Alex Ranelio, Kevin Schaefer for great work on your analysis. Thank you to Ramblin' Russ Miller for your picks. And thank you to Alex DeJesus for all your content you create for the show and your editing of video. We appreciate that. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for making this possible. I love you. My name is Matt Brown. I'm the host of the Productive Conversations Podcast. I'll see you soon. Love you. Peace.